All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Patrick freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 117 in full swing, full motion. We are so glad for you to be here with us in this beautiful week, this rainy-ass week here in Kansas City. But no matter where you're at, no matter how you're listening to this or when you're listening to this, we want to thank you so much for being here with us in this time as we are still awaiting the NFL season, the 2021 NFL season to start. It feels like forever from now, but it's going to be here before we know it. In the meantime, we got some NBA playoffs to talk about. We're going to give you guys our predictions for round one, how we see this thing going. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves and give you too much, but we want to give you guys the first round predictions. We have two incredible guests that we have not had on in some time, and I regret that decision, but we wanted to make it right tonight. From Edge Sports Marketing Management, we have... One, Tanisha Mahomes and Linda Dorsey. They're going to be revis- they're going to be visiting with us tonight. They're going to be hanging out with us, chatting some Chiefs football, giving us some up to dates on uh, what's going on in their in their uh, their company as well. What's going on in their lives? How things have been going for them? I'm just really excited to to catch up with these ladies, and they always give us a a great amount of content, man. That we we just we value very very much, and we love to have them on the show each and every time. Um, but I want to start something in, here with Can- in, in, in Kansas City locally. And, and obviously, we try to start each and every episode with Chiefs-related content. If there's something that I can start the show off and kick the show off when it comes to Chiefs stuff, I'm going to do that. And this week is no different. So let's just get right into it. Something that I didn't touch on in freelancing this week. I wanted to kind of leave this one out in the open because I wanted to see what kind of legs would grow on this storyline or this this theory or this, this uh, possibility, if you will. And it has to do with the Chiefs adding another prolific star to this roster. You guys know the term, the rich get richer, and how people get upset about that, and how there's teams that oftentimes pass up on opportunities that can improve their team and make them wealthier, if you will, in in the talent department. If you look at this Chiefs roster as currently constructed, I've told you guys, I believe this is going to be the most talented team to date that Patrick Mahomes has ever played with in his NFL career. And I think that is going to be factual, regardless of the Chiefs add any other pieces to this team, which I do anticipate they're going to before the season begins. Where they're going to do that, that's what it's up to them and what they do. But I want to give you guys some theories because there are theories out there as far as the Chiefs not only adding depth or adding veteran presences to said roster, there is rumors out there, at least speculation to this point, that all it is, that's all it is right now. We've heard nothing. And set in stone at all. This is all speculation, but it is what we do here is we talk about things that we are hearing about. And it's something I think that a lot of these listeners, a lot of the listeners we have here, want to talk about. And it's something I want to start the show off with. So we now know that there has been a theory out there about the availability of Julio Jones from the Atlanta Falcons. It has been it has been reported from Atlanta that they are going to explore trade options with Julio Jones, who is 32 years old. 
who has had his own injury problems, who has had his even his own touchdown production problems throughout the year, but throughout the years. But one thing we do know about Julio Jones, he is without question a bona fide top five wide receiver in the league every single year since probably 2012 or 2013. Now he is a little bit longer in the tooth, so there are going to be teams that are going to be a little bit cautious as to where you know they they what they're willing to give up for said Julio Jones. Um, his contract isn't the most the, the most welcoming for a team that's trying to take him on. He's got two years, twenty seven million guaranteed left, three years in total. But twenty seven million is going to hit a cap pretty hard, especially when you're a team that is strapped for cash initially. And the Chiefs are a team that could honestly just pass up on this and dismiss this idea or dismiss this possibility. But I'm one of the few because I'm li- I've been listening, and unfortunately, I might add, I'm not going to go into it too deeply, but I've been unfortunately listening to a lot of local sports radio this week, and it's uh it's gotten so bad that we have radio hosts that are literally saying, and I quote, I wouldn't trade McCole Hardman to get Julio Jones. So that's what we're dealing with here in Kansas City, but we're going to reel you in here at the Spoken Podcast um, because that that is just utter nonsense. As much of a McColl fan I am, I'm not even I'm not even going to entertain that bullshit. But the, the, there's a trade scenario that was presented by Pro Football Focus, and I don't really like to go for those guys. They they go off of grades that I don't even know how they exist. It's like QBR. It doesn't really make sense of how they make their living. But this trade scenario did pique my interest, and I wanted to start the show off and get Eddie and Trevor's thoughts on this as well. So the hypothetical trade that the Chiefs and the and the, and the Falcons could do for this type of uh, scenario would be the Chiefs getting Julio Jones and a 2022 sixth-round pick, and the Falcons would receive the 2022 second-round pick from the Chiefs, the 2022 third-round pick from the Chiefs, and would essentially swap six-round picks with the Chiefs with their sixth-round pick as well. I would love to know anybody in their logical, straight-thinking mind that would oppose that type of trade for the Chiefs. I would love to know how anybody can sit there and verbalize, think about it, and then verbalize out of their mouths, they wouldn't take Julio Jones right now for a second, a third, and a sixth. I, I, I can't I can't wrap my mind around that. Now, there are a couple things that I will address that are factual. The Chiefs have only had one first-round pick in the last four years. You obviously want to see the Chiefs start to build a little bit earlier in the draft. But the beautiful thing about this said trade is what? The Chiefs wouldn't have to give up a first-round pick to get a future first-ballot Hall of Fame wide receiver that is still close to, if not still in his prime. So my only question is, what are we really focused on as a fan base here? What are the Chiefs focused on as a franchise? Are we trying to build for the future right now, or are we trying to win right now? I'm going to say that it's the latter. I'm going to go ahead and say that the Chiefs, as aggressive as they have been since 2017 when they traded up for Patrick Mahomes and since then, have shown me a recipe of a team who wants to win now and wants to continue to win. But the only way you're going to continue to win is if you build a team that is without question above the rest. And the Chiefs, as currently constructed, as we've said numerous times, even in recent episodes, there's nobody in the AFC that can touch the Chiefs as currently constructed. So why in the living hell would you not double down on that? Especially when, unless you guys can prove me wrong here, a 2022 pick doesn't help the Chiefs in 2021. Correct me if I'm wrong. Right. You know what would help the Chiefs? Going and getting a Hall of Fame wide receiver. Would the Chiefs still win the Super Bowl without Julio Jones? Yes. But are we going to sit here at this table right now and say that adding Julio Jones wouldn't significantly help the Chiefs get to that Super Bowl and win said Super Bowl? 
Maybe I'm not seeing something here, and if you guys disagree with me, I'm open. I'm open ears. I'm all ears to figure out how exactly anybody, because again, guys, local media, a lot of fans out there are against this trade, and I'm simply asking why. Give me a legitimate reason, Trevor. Let's start with you. Yeah, I mean, this um, that's trading McCall Hardman for him. You know, no, I mean that. This is a seize the day type of move. This is a we're trying to we're a team that's appeared in back to back Super Bowls and won one of them. We're trying to make a third trip on back-to-back-to-back seasons. That's, in the NFL, a damn near an impossibility. Um, I don't think – I don't even know if – I don't think that's ever been done. I don't think – The Bills straight, did it. Okay, yeah, that's right, with, with Jim Four Kelly. straight. They did that's four right, straight. That's right. Yep. Outside of that – Been 25 years. Yeah, outside of that scenario, um, which is a out, massive outlier, in the modern-day NFL, it's been – that's damn near impossible to go back-to-back. So, um, this is – yeah, like you know me. I'm a big Julio Jones fan. I still 100% believe he's elite – the whole touchdown debacle when he wasn't getting those touchdowns a couple seasons, that was strictly – also that same season, he was also, I think, near the bottom of the list in red zone targets. So he, that, was, that wasn't that was necessarily his fault or a talent issue. He's everyone, everyone knows the talent that is Julio Jones. The injury thing is is, is a true statement. I mean, he's, he's, he's had some soft tissue issues throughout his career. But, I mean, this guy would be coming into a team where he'd be the third option some games, second option some games. Obviously, the first option some, some games, depending on the game plan and, and, and where he's, he's, you know, put in position. But I don't know. I just for the for the Chiefs, I don't this isn't a necessary a necessary make the move move in my mind. But I think that this would be an absolute middle finger to the rest of the league if the Chiefs were able to pull that off. I'm 100 percent on board for it. Trading picks for a, a guy, a sure thing for a year that you're wanting to go and compete for a third straight year for a Super Bowl and do your best to win it. And this would be the move, I believe, to put us way over the top of everyone else in the entire league, not just the AFC. So in my mind, I I, I like I like the big money moves. That's me. I like the big ballsy moves. That's why I love that we were able to completely fleece the Ravens and go get Orlando Brown. I did not think that was going to happen. did not see that happening, and it happened. I'm not going to count out Brett Veach in any way. For making these big moves, this is how he makes his money. This is how he, you know, this is his thing. It's free agency more than it is, you know, drafting. So getting rid of picks and not even have to get rid of a player that's on our roster right now that's constructed as a Super Bowl team as is, it, it's a no-brainer to me to, to 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 trade picks for a Hall of Fame, surefire, elite, top three wide receiver in this league to go alongside the weapons that we already have. So for me, it's a no-brainer. Make the move. Yeah, same for me. Sign me up, dude. Uh, if you're able to get that kind of uh, caliber player for for picks, and you're not even talking about a first round pick, you're talking about a second and a third, and yeah. you're just swapping six, mm-hmm. so you're technically not even losing a six round pick. Right. So you're just losing a second and a third. Right. Yeah, sign me up. He, he like like Lance said, he's probably arguably a top five wide receiver in this league every every year. And since, getting traded yes. with that motivation extra on top of all that. The, uh, I mean, that's just an extra boost, new scenery. Like yes. Uh, the, I I don't know why Chiefs fans or why local media is like pushing against this. Uh, it could be because it might take like uh, the stardom or like the fan favorite from Tyreek Hill. I have no clue. Maybe because it could push Tyreek Hill to a wide receiver too. I have – I, I don't know. It's I, fear I, of the future. They think that's going to hurt the yeah, team like, in the long run. In the long run. We play like, for right now. That's the point. They, they look at his age and they're like, do we really need an aging wide receiver at this point? Bring in a veteran. I'm always all about veterans, man. You always want that veteran presence. And obviously, Tyreek Hill's still learning, entering his prime. Learning from Julio Jones? Come on now. Yeah. And, and, you, and then you're talking about the, the injury concerns. I, I Look, 
I'll entertain injury concerns because that is always something that has to be equated no matter who the player is. It could be it could be Patrick Mahomes on the market, and you have to look at his injury concerns if he has them. Yeah. So it doesn't matter That's who it every is. Player. Yes. Yeah. Now Julio Jones has missed ten games since 2015. That's not a lot, guys. No. That's yeah, the last couple seasons seven of, good. Seven of yeah. those ten games was last season, so I understand right. that that might be a little concern. While he's in his 30s, you may be concerned about that. But here's the thing, guys. You're talking about if you – we just had three seasons of Sammy Watkins, and he right. missed 15 games in that span, right? <laughs> so not only are we – We got we, paid, and, too. And fans love Sammy. We love Sammy. We yeah. talked about how playoff Sammy is all we need. He can, you know, fuck around in the regular season, and then as long as he balls out in the playoffs. He was huge for us in the Super Bowl run, man. That's, that's all that mattered. Who are you guys betting on? to succeed in this offense more. Sammy Watkins or Julio Jones? Even if he was to miss another seven games this season, I'll be really tripping on that if he's there in the playoffs. And that's what I, that's what Julio Jones would be banking on because he really hasn't had a lot of opportunities to succeed in the playoffs. He's had a couple runs with the Falcons, but that's been years now. That's been four, five, six, seven years since then. So he's had a lot of time to show, like, I've made my money. I've had opportunities. It's it, now I'm going to the AFC it's side with the best the, quarterback in the league. Yeah, it's the equivalent to KD signing with the Warriors. That would be that type of move. Now I want to diffuse. Yeah, be, I'll nail the slap in the face. I want to diffuse. I want to diffuse this 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 BS. It's also cycling around Kansas City when it comes to this opportunity. Is folks also claiming that the Chiefs can't do it because they got to pay other people right now that are currently on the roster? Don't tell that to Beach, man. Don't tell me you can't do it. Hey, you guys, real quick, real quick, everybody gather around, real quick. You all remember last off season? When the Chiefs had $177 in cap space right. and they ended up paying out over $650 million to players. And then this offseason, they go ahead and fuck around and make Joe Tooney the highest paid guard in the history of the NFL with an $80 million contract. Strange. And they were in 29th place in, in cap space this year. Listen, people. I, I got to get you to understand Funny this, money, and, I, and I really hope you guys – because the Spoken Podcast listeners are smart, so I'm not even trying to like treat you guys like you don't understand. But for anybody that might be new to this this podcast tonight, let, let, me, let me help you out here real quick. Real quick, guys. I'm not the smartest guy, but I know a few things. Cap space does not matter. If the Chiefs want a player and that player can get here and that player wants to get here and the team that he's playing on is willing to bring him to Kansas City, it will happen. That is – all you need to know. Yes, the Chiefs still have to pay Orlando Brown Jr. Yes, they still need to pay Tyron Matthew. Yes, they got to give Tyreek Hill an extension within the next year. That is all factual, guys. But because of the fact that Patrick Mahomes has this contract built the way that it is, and also along with the fact that if you do give Tyreek Hill that extension, it's going to open up over $20 million in cap space for the Chiefs. What they could do with $20 million is, Look at what they did with $177. That's all I'm trying to I'm only I'm only trying to bring this down for you guys in the most simplest way I can. What I'm trying to get you guys to understand is don't worry about the cap. The Chiefs will worry about the cap. Brent Tillis, Brett Veach will worry about the cap and they work accordingly. I'm trying to put it as simple as I can, guys. If the Chiefs want Julio Jones and they put together a trade package and the Falcons agreed to it. We ain't got to worry about the money. Maybe, maybe that's why they're stalling with the Matthew thing. Maybe there's some conversations going on behind the scenes, and they've known about Julio being on the, on the trading block, and they're stalling the, the Tyron Matthew signing. I would I would be willing to bet, Trevor, to that point. I, maybe, I, go ahead. Go sorry. Ahead. Or, maybe they, or maybe they, they haven't extended him because they could probably use him as a trade token. I, I would I would be shocked as hell if the Chiefs are even entertaining I'm, that. I'm just saying. Um, I'm just saying. Yeah. I, I will no, say this. I think there's a greater possibility – that the Chiefs are actively interested in Julio Jones, and and I'm not I haven't I haven't sought this out yet. It is just a hunch I have, 
and I'm going to seek this out. Trust me, guys, I will as the summer goes on. I would, I would be willing to bet the Chiefs have a greater interest in actively pursuing Julio Jones than not. It's that simple because they know. The Chiefs know what opportunity they have. And I, again, to reiterate what I've already said, I believe the Chiefs are like, look, guys, we have an opportunity to win Super Bowls right now. They probably will for the next 10 to 12 years in Patrick Mahomes' prime. That's, that's also kind of a given. There is no givens in the NFL except Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. So they, they need to capitalize on it right now. Is it is it ideal to pay $27 million guaranteed to a 32-year-old wide receiver who just missed seven games? No. But like we've talked about, even with B.J. Kissel on our show and talking about how the Chiefs are reluctant to giving extensions to players that are in their late 20s and early 30s, there are exceptions to the rule. Travis Kelsey, Tyron Matthew, Julio Jones are 100% the exception to that rule, guys. Trust me when I say that. I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to get Julio Jones. What I'm saying is it would make a lot of sense if the Chiefs did get Julio Jones. Well, I mean, winning, winning will change mine. That's all that matters. Shaggy Shane, Shaggy Shane said this perfectly this week. He said if the Chiefs were not actively pursuing wide receivers like a Julio Jones, why was Andy Reid sending Lombardi pictures to Juju Smith-Schuster? Right. It's that simple. And I mean, they did. They did. And, and, and they did end up drafting one who I do think uh, will be a good player. Yeah. Cornell Pell, yes, absolutely. I, I like him a lot. But. but but to that point, bringing in Julio Jones, right, right, right. like Eddie was just talking about, like helping these guys That's get a nail in the coffin. Move, Cornell Powell would have zero pressure because yeah. right now everyone's like trying to pencil him in as that X receiver. You get Julio Jones. Cornell Powell could just ease his way into this situation. And the beautiful thing about Cornell Powell, as I've said on Darren Smith's show, is the fact that. You have a guy who's going to be 24 years old as a rookie. This guy has developed better than most rookies could ever imagine, who went from Trevor Lawrence to Patrick Mahomes. So the development's already going to be there for Cornell Powell. D-Rob, you, D-Rob's going to be at number two, though, you, man. You, shut up. You, you, <laughs> you get Julio Jones in the clubhouse. You think about all the things he could teach Cornell Powell and help him advance yeah, even yeah. quicker. Fuck, this Hill. only benefits everybody. Yeah, that's what, it benefits everybody. It gets Tyreek Hill the opportunity to get one-on-ones. Yeah. Have we ever seen Tyreek Hill on one-on-ones? Dude, like, Jesus Christ, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill have already been the cheat code. You throw in Julio Jones, I'm telling you, that is a nail in the coffin move for the entire league, man. So, so that's where we're going to leave it, man, because I, we can go on this forever and ever. I just needed to diffuse some of the BS that some of the local media is out here spewing. I don't usually try to address that, and I'm not going to name names. You can figure that out on your own. I'm sure plenty of people did. I do think somebody will outbid the Chiefs, even if we are Sure, I, I, There's going to be somebody yeah, that I, I do think the, I do think the Falcons are going to want a player, Nobody wants uh, a player who has been in this league. Watch out, for, watch out for the Colts. Watch out for the Chargers. Those are two teams. Titans, I, too. Titans, absolutely. Titans. Titans, 100%. I can see the Titans. Because Corey Davis is gone, that's yeah. a perfect move for them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Titans. it's a desperation eve, too, because they need to really get some juice into that franchise. Because yeah. now they're on that tail end with Derrick Henry, like absolutely. at the edge of his, end of his prime. Tannehill. He's peaked, you know, like, yeah, yeah they, they definitely need something. So, again, I'm not expecting it to happen, but what I do expect is the Chiefs will be actively pursuing him, and we'll see what happens. So, sure. we're going to take a quick break, guys, because we need to get to the Eddie Hour. Cannot wait to get what Eddie's got going on in his old mind. We've actually delayed it one week, so I'm sure Eddie's got plenty to speak on, plenty to ask. We'll get to that after this. Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City-themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. 
Find them online at CommandeerBrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts, designed with an edge. Get again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. So let's get right into it, man. It is the Eddie Hour. We didn't get to do this last week, so I'm fiending for some Eddie Ortiz thoughts. Let's get to it, Eddie. What is the Eddie Hour? All right, man. I got to get your reactions to something that happened two weeks ago. I know I couldn't ask this question uh, last week. Uh, We were all very excited for this to happen, and... So I want to get your reactions to the Saunders versus Canelo fight. Eddie, I hate to tell you I told you so, man, but I fucking told you so. This is the I'm not I'm not no I'm not a boxing expert. I'm not Teddy Atlas. I'm not Max Kellerman. I'm not any of these guys. <laughs> I'm not. But what I will tell you is I know greatness when I see it. And Canelo Alvarez is the antithesis of greatness. He is the epitome of greatness. It's hard to find that in today's boxing world. But I think, and I truly believe, Canelo would be a transcendent star in any era. I'm not saying he would go undefeated or be what is he, uh, 52 and one right now as he is currently 52 one and one or whatever it is. But the steroids, 52 one and two, two draws. Okay, I don't know if he would be that in a tougher era because there have clearly been tougher eras. But he would be a man who is widely considered and respected around the globe. If he would have fought 30 years ago in the prime of boxing, in the golden era of boxing, I truly believe that. And he showed that because jo- Billy Joe Saunders had skills and assets to his game that, that that actually exposed weaknesses to Canelo. And I didn't know Canelo had them. But going against a South Pole, having to figure out how to do th- everything in reverse, essentially. Everybody's got saw, a weakness. Everybody's got a weakness. Yeah, you saw the way Canelo analyzed him for those first couple of rounds, those first three or four rounds. And then you saw it. He took that opportunity when it, when Billy Joe opened that arm up and he uppercut him right in the damn eye socket, man. You knew it was over right then and there. You, we, you and I, we watched this fight together, Eddie, and we're like, oh, dude, something's wrong with Billy Joe. And we didn't, when he didn't stand up, we knew it was it – was, he broke his damn orbital bone, dude. So I said that right, right? Orbital bone. And and Canelo just puts him – now you got to get – now, Eddie, you need to give my guy Canelo some respect because we talked about this. If he wins this fight, especially the way he did, you said you're going to start giving him some respect as, the, as one of the top boxers in the world. What say you? Trev. <laughs> Go ahead, Trevor. Yeah, he the, wants to dodge the, it. All I'm going to say is that power is undeniable. If you're straight, just on a not even a full-blown hook, breaking someone's orbital bone, sinking someone's eye socket in, that is some true elite power. And I 100% agree that, that he would be – an elite top tier fighter in any era, um, especially now that he's and I'm a full 100% believer in sports science. And I think athletes all around in every single sport have evolved and athletes in general are far better nowadays in every single sport because of science, because of preparation and just the evolution of human beings. We've, we, I mean, it's just the, it's just the facts of reality. Uh, Canelo's a, a freak athlete. The dude's power is impeccable. We saw that was on display and I call it TKO and it was a TKO. So fight over. All right, next question. Oh, Eddie's mad. I love it. <laughs> next question. So this was a hot topic last week uh, on Twitter. Everybody was talking about it. I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but the argument was, is Frank Gore a first ballot Hall of Fame? If you're asking me, yes, 100%. There are only two names in the history of the NFL that have more rushing yards than him, Emmett Smith and Walter Payton. 
He has more rushing yards than Barry Sanders. I, look, this was what's so weird about about the way we cast players in in, in all in the pantheon is with quarterbacks. It's all about rings, which is stupid. And then when it comes to running backs, receivers, specialty players, all this other stuff, it comes down to stats. But for some weird reason, when it comes to Frank Gore, we don't look at the stats. We look at, well, he never won anything. How, how does that work? Because Barry Sanders didn't win anything. I, I don't understand like how we go about this. It's it's really odd to me. So Frank Gore, to me, is, is arguably one of the most consistent players in the history of the NFL. He's always been there. Has he has he at one point been the best player at his position in the league? No. But am I going to knock a guy for just being adequately consistent? That's absurd to me. A man that has put together 17 NFL seasons of, of pure consistency and always being up there with the best? How in the world can I knock this man? If I'm a voter, and one day I will be, if I was a voter, I would say, yes, 100% Frank Gore needs to be because there's no reason as to why he shouldn't be. It's the counter question I would have. Give me a reason why he shouldn't be. And if we're being honest here, there isn't one. Frank Gore, one of the greatest running backs to ever live, should 100% be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, um, this is something I've, I've tried my best to ponder on and kind of come up with the best nuanced perspective to why he would be because he doesn't have – the success, the the end result of you know being a champion and, ha- and you know having that, unless he lands on a roster that becomes that, um, and he he's a part of that. I don't see that happening anytime soon. But the the longevity has to play an effect. The numbers play an effect um, because if guys like Terrell Davis are in our first ballot Hall of Famers because of three really 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 good seasons, and he has a Super Bowl ring. If three really really good seasons and a championship should get you into this, the, the 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 Hall of Fame. The longevity that Frank Gore has, has, has portrayed, um, and as at the position in, in, in the NFL that is the most short-lived of all positions, running back, the fact that he's been able to hang around and, and be an Iron Man and put up numbers every year, regardless whether it's a thousand yards or not, but he's always right there at the thousand-yard mark. Um, and the guy as consistent as you can get. I mean, in my mind, I'm going to have to say yes just because of longevity. And if we're going to let the pendulum swing for guys like Terrell Davis, had a really, really, really good three-year span. We got to give it to to Frank Gore, who's had a, a the most consistent resume in running back history. But are you saying is he worth a first ballot Hall of Fame? Is that what you're saying, or he's just I, Hall of Fame worthy? Like I'm saying, if like I I believe so. The only reason I think Terrell Davis is in there because he got the Super Bowl ring. But if you want to talk about who's had the better overall career and numbers, it's not even close. You know what I mean? So uh, you got to take the sample size of the small ones that that were lightning in a bottle, like Terrell Davis, yep. and he's got a jacket on right now. So if you're going to take the guy that's been, you know, thunder and lightning for the longest resume you can draw up for the toughest position to, to for longevity purposes, that's Frank Gore. He's the epitome of longevity in the NFL at the the least likely position. So I think that alone. Uh, should give him a jacket. In my mind, I think he deserves one. Give him my tambourine. Trevor's preaching. Yeah, gotcha. All right. Uh, staying in the NFL, uh, thoughts on Jaguars uh, signing uh, Tim Tebow as a tight end? I'm going to try to keep this as brief as possible because that's all the media is talking about. He's already, I think, top five in jersey sales. Look. Oh, he's the top. He is the top. Okay, yeah. that's not it's shocking. ridiculous. Man. It, look, I, I'm not going to get too far yeah. into this. I'm just going to say, great. Tebow got his chance to come back into the league. He – are you asking me if he deserves it or not? Well, let me just ask you. 
Uh, was there any teams knocking on Tim Tebow's door before Urban Meyer got a head coaching job who happens to be a really good friend and a former coach of Tebow's? No. Okay, that answers the question. Congratulations, Tebow. You got a job. You're a low-key snitch in the locker room to help the culture develop for Urban Meyer while he's there for two years before he quits for some unknown circumstance. Congrats. Yeah, it's a slap in the face to all these young guys that are trying to make the league at the position that they truly play, that Tebow never even truly played. Um, the fact that he's – look, I'm not shitting on Tebow. As Tebow, I believe he's a good person. He's a very polarizing guy, which hence the the, the sales for the jerseys there. Very polarizing, very popular, very beloved in the American culture um, because of who he is and what he represents, which feeds to the masses and the majority of people in this country. Fine. Do I believe he deserves this spot? Absolutely not. As a football fan, I, like I said when I opened up my mouth right now, I don't believe he deserves the jobs over true tight ends that were coming out of college or didn't make a roster this year that were in last year and are sitting there in limbo, chomping at the bit to get another opportunity at the position that they truly play and have worked their entire lives playing. Yet Tebow, a retired baseball player, a failed quarterback in the NFL, is now getting that position. I think it's bullshit. I think it's unfair. I think it's a slap in the face of those individuals. Um, but I mean, if you have success, you know, hopefully that, that's that, all good for him. Um, I just, it's, it's just a bizarre story. Cowherd, Colin Cowherd said it best. It's like literally the same thing as if an old former pitcher came back and said, I want to be a catcher. We'd right. all sit here and just laugh. Right. It's it, this is all to me. This is all marketing. This is Urban Meyer trying to get himself a, 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 an insider, an informant in his locker room to make sure the culture is what he wants it to be. The the Jaguars are going to one hundred percent. I'm just going to go ahead and say it, the Jaguars are going to one hundred percent fail because Urban Meyer is incompetent. He's had horrible processes or vetting processes throughout this entire offseason. The Chris Doyle thing alone from Iowa is a humongous mark. On his reputation already, and the dude hasn't even coached a game in the NFL. This is going to blow up bad. And the T Tim Tebow thing to me is him just trying to put a puff piece out there to get the fan base because Tebow's from Jacksonville. He dominated at Florida for the Gators. He's a legend there. The thing is, I don't, think, so, I don't think he would. I don't think Tebow would necessarily had to come back and play the sport. I think it, there would there would be just as much clout. And this is much hype behind this if he came onto the coaching staff or something like that. There's they a theory. Well, there's a theory about someone's position. On and the and I like I like this theory too. And here I am expanding on this. this is ridiculous. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna stop right here after this. There is the theory though that Tebow wants to basically just get his last crack at being in the NFL and then officially retiring. So I, I don't. I, I get that. My point though is, guys, is you got to consider the source here. The only reason he's even in the NFL at this time is because of the fact that Urban Meyer has a job. Because otherwise, literally no other team since 2012 has been trying to get him to play football. He's an there's a reason for that. Yes. Yeah. Congratulations. I'm not hating. I'm just saying, like, there's a reason. I, I, but it's it not so it upsets me because there's tight ends out there fighting for a job. I get it, but, but, but again, he's a part of a 90 man roster, so it's not like he's taking a spot right now because there are 90 people on the roster he as currently. Signed him. So. No, no, I'm saying if he makes the cut, the 53, yeah. we got another discussion on our hands. My Chances point is, are, he's a part of the 90 man roster right now. Yeah. yeah. All right. <clears throat> Let's go into baseball. And I feel like Lance might get triggered in one of these three questions I got for you. That's the reason uh, for the Eddie Hour. Probably not the first two, but the third one is, well, can't wait for that one. <laughs> I want to get your thoughts uh, real quick on the on the struggles the Royals are, are going through right now. I said on freelancing a couple weeks ago. This is what I anticipated from the beginning of the season. I said they're going to be a 78 to 83 win team. You can't be a team with those types of numbers or win win loss column and that win loss column and not have a chaotic season. I told Royals fans 
you need to expect a roller coaster season. Because to your point, when they went on that 11-12 game losing streak, now they've won four of six. So, and they started the season, what was it, 16 and nine. And so you that's have these the highs, record. you have these lows, and now, now they're ascending again. So that's the type of team this Royals team is going to be. They're going to be fun. It's going to be thrilling. You're going to have your frustrations, but you're going to love them at the same time because they're going to have these three, four, five game winning streaks, and then they're going to have five, six, seven game losing streaks. That is baseball in itself. They've always said you're going to get 60 wins, you're going to get 40 losses guaranteed. It comes down to what you do with the rest of those games. The Royals are going to be one of those teams that are going to be up and down all year long. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. All I do know is they're just going to be a team that you need to pay attention to because there's going to be some young studs that are going to be coming up in the next couple of months that you know are going to be phenoms and guys that contribute to this team contending in the next couple of seasons. Yeah, I don't have much else to add to that. All right. Next question. Is it time for Bobby Wood Jr.? No, I don't think it's yet because of the fact, and I would love it. I think he's ready for me. I think that this team is still trying to figure out a couple things that I feel that Bobby would kind of overshadow. I think there's a couple young players that need to really get the focus of this team right now as currently constructed. So I would, I would like to see him come around later in the season, but make no mistake about it. Bobby is 100% ready. And when he comes to the majors, you're going to see why this guy is going to be one of those. I'm not trying to put him in the mic trap, Mike Trout caliber yet, that is something that is totally unfair to a young player. But do not be shocked. When Bobby Witt comes up, you're going to see why this guy is so highly touted across the league, not just in not just in the Royals' confines. We're talking across the league. Bobby Witt Jr. is regarded as one of the, one of the most talented and revered young players in baseball, and you're going to see why very soon. I'm, I'm saying September. I think they should bring him up. I mean, what do they got to lose right now at the? I mean, like we, we service do, time. Well, we yeah, that's true. We but we discussed this last time, um, a couple weeks ago, talking about was it time at that moment when they're down and they're still, they're still in a, struggling. They're a still bit. in a slump. Still, they're still they've had a couple wins in and out, but and, and I said last time that they sh- they shouldn't they should wait until they're kind of like you know it's trending upward. But you know maybe sometimes it, you got to do what you got to do if they want to salvage the season. And, and and try to get a young, you know, fiery stud out there that can, you know, light the fire on a lot of the other guys' asses in the, in the locker room. It would probably be a fan favorite if you of think course. about it. Of oh, course. It, 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 it would be a hype train for the fans, man, for is. sure. So <clears throat> I think the fans are obviously fiending for it. They have, they've uh, on Twitter and, and Facebook right. and, and, and social media, they're all calling his name. So I, I don't see what else is to lose at this point. I think it'd be a cool – I mean, like I said last time, I said don't do it. But at this point of this season now where we're at now, I don't see why not. I mean, I would I would definitely probably call the kid up pretty sooner than later. Uh if I'm the Royals, I'll probably wait till the All-Star game. Uh probably once the All-Star game, you kind of know what you have, what you don't have. Uh after that, you you can if you want to get him that major league experience uh, to get him ready for the following season, mm. call him up. Why not, you know? Yeah. Like you said, they have nothing to lose. They are not a championship caliber team. They're not a playoff fighting uh team, so uh at that at the All Star All Star Game break, uh, why not bring him up? You know, yeah. All right, you know what? I'm gonna save that third question, uh, the Major League question, uh, for the last question, and this is my next question for you guys. Gotcha. Right, we're gonna go back to the NBA real quick. Who is your MVP and who is your Rookie of the Year? As far as the NBA, NBA, yes. I don't think that you can really. I mean, there are other guys that you can put on the list. Um, I'll but, g- so I'll give you the the final list of each one. Sure. Yeah. So the final list for the MVP are Steph Curry, Joel Embiid, and Nikola Jokic. Uh, rookie of the year finalists are Lamelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, and Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. 
I, look, I, I, you, you can make a compelling case for a couple guys when it comes to the MVP, but there is only one true solidarity, sol, solid pick, and it is Nikola Jokic. Uh, he's been the most consistent of the players. He's played every single game this season. He lost Jamal Murray, and he still finished, I think, with the second seed overall in the West. Uh, Nikola has his own limitations, but when he averaged 28, 10, and 8 this season, on, I believe 51% shooting, yeah. I, I look, man. I, you guys know I always, I always stand for LeBron when it comes to these types of things. And if LeBron put up the similar numbers and played every single game, he's going to win MVP. So the standard has to be consistent. I think Jokic should should win the MVP. Steph's had a great season. Chris Paul, uh, uh, the other uh, Joel Embiid, but he Joel missed too Embiid. many games. That's the problem. Is that Jokic was available every single night, and even more was put on him when his secondary player Jamal Murray, who's a budding star himself, went down with the ACL. So my um, rookie of the year, like. I, Look, I think Lamelo's going to win it because of popularity and he produced this season. He's but Alaburton, Alaburton had a great season. Trevor can attest to this. He probably, of all the players, deserves it the most. But because of marketability, because of him being a fairly unknown player to this point in comparison and to Lamelo, I, I think he's got and Anthony to be the Edwards, best, the best player of all. I think yeah, I agree. See, Anthony does. Edwards though has the big dunk this year. Like he had the highlight plays. Lamelo's the all the flashier guy. All yeah. on losing teams, so yes. it's not like any of these guys right. really, you know. Took off. So and, and honestly, my vote would, my vote would probably be Alberton, but I, I just I don't think he's going to win. That's just yeah. the point. Yeah, my MVP is no doubt Nikola Jokic. I think he this was his year. I just think this was his year. His longevity, he didn't miss a game. His numbers were outrageous. Damn near averaging a triple double the center position. And when Jamal Murray went down, I thought it was doom and gloom for them. They continued to win. They didn't miss a beat. He stepped his game up. Putting up forty point games, forty five point games, thirty eight point games, like he was just out there, highly efficient too. Just yeah, I mean they they lose pieces and he just continues. I mean I know they added Aaron Gordon and, and some other guys and they made some good moves. So I, Michael Porter Jr. had a really yeah, good season. He's he's uh, a candidate for uh, most improved player. player. He probably will win it. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, um, uh, what's the name for the Knicks? Um, Julius Randle. Julius Randle. Oh yeah, yeah, fair point. Fair I think point. Julius Randle is going to get good it. Good call. Um, but yeah, man, Nikola Jokic in my mind is it's it's no brainer. If Joel Embiid didn't miss any time, I would probably say Joel Embiid just because of who the Celtics or the Celtics, who the Sixers are, and the Sixers have been a force all year long. Um, and he's obviously the key cog to that. But yeah, I think um, and Chris Paul needs to be mentioned too as well. Chris Paul had an incredible year, and Steph put, put, un, put was had yeah, an unbelievable of course, season. There's yeah. a lot of great individual players this year, but Steph the only the only knock on him is his team is just not followed suit. I know he's put up his numbers, but. Chris Paul immediately went to the Suns, and now they're the top team in the West. So right there with the the, the Jazz, fighting for the top seed. So that's impressive. Um, but yeah, Nicole Jokic in my mind is the MVP. Uh, rookie of the year, my vote would be Tyrese Halliburton, just because I've watched a lot of them. I watch a lot of Lamelo Ball too, but Lamelo Ball didn't miss time. Tyree, Tyrese missed the last couple of games because of an injury, but it wasn't some serious time. It was the last couple of weeks of the NBA season. It wasn't nothing crazy. Anthony Edwards is, is also a flashy guy, very, very uh, uh, polarizing as well. A very good interview guy is um, um, funny, is very athletic. Obviously, one of the biggest dunks of the year coming from a rookie. That's super impressive. He's got balls. I, I appreciate him. I appreciate what he brings to the game. He's very flashy, uh, similar to how John Morant burst onto the scene. So I wouldn't I would knock uh, him for getting um, some votes there either. But I do think Tyrese, just for him playing the majority of the season and stepping up big time when De'Aaron Fox went out, because um, he didn't have the usage rate that LaMelo did. LaMelo came into the Hornets and was immediately the guy. They gave him the ball, let him run the show. He was the offense. Tyrese didn't get that opportunity right away. He only got that opportunity when De'Aaron Fox went out. De'Aaron Fox is our guy, who I love, and De'Aaron Fox is a stud. Average damn near 30 points this year. Um, so I don't. I think the usage rate there for LaMelo, his numbers are a little bit better. They're inflated because of that. 
And I love LaMelo's game. I told you guys from the get-go, when he came to this league, I think he's going to be a star. I do believe that. Uh, but I also think Tyrese Halliburton can be the best between these three. Um, the most consistent. He's got a really, really cool old-school game to him. He's very, very efficient. He's got um, like this little floater shot that's damn near unblockable. And it's very hard to defend. Um, so he's got this old-school uh, way about him. So I love his game. I think my pick would be Tyrese. Their numbers are very similar. and But the fact that LaMelo La missed time, I think that's a knock and it has to be a knock on him. Um, so I think LaMelo is going to win it, though, just because of his name and uh, his hype. For right. sure. yeah. And then real quick, Coach of the Year. Who do you think in the NBA, who do you think is going to get Coach I, of the Year? Monty Williams, I think, did win it. Ultimately, I think Monty deserves it. Well, he, uh, won, he didn't win the NBA one. He won, I know. He won the NCAA. What's the NBA? Well, he won Coach of the Year. That's No, right. not uh, – he won the uh, – the coaches voted him coach of the year right. in their association. Which means he's more than likely going to win it. I'm yeah. not opposed to it. I, I honestly, though, would have voted for, for Tom Thibodeau. Uh, to make the Knicks yeah. that relevant. Yeah, man. Yeah. Not, to, not only to make them relevant as a playoff team for the first time in, what, eight years? They haven't made the playoffs in eight years. Not only that, but when Julius Randle is your best player and you yeah, resurrect his career, yeah. you resurrect Der- – Derrick Rose's career continues to, to come about. I mean – no one had any expectation for the Knicks this year. No one did. Everyone thought they were going to be a shitty team. Tom's got a job. Cool. He's going to run that team into the ground like he always does. He always runs teams hard. It worked. It worked. And he made the Mecca, the Mecca, once again. I'm not saying they're contenders or not, but they made the playoffs. And no one saw that coming. Julius Randle had his best career year. You got to give Tom a lot of credit. But Monty, yeah. to what he did last year in the bubble going 8-0 and still they didn't put him in, which was crazy. And then doing what he's done this season, man, it's nothing short of incredible. They both deserve it. But, yeah, I think Monty's going to win it. Yeah, I'm not going to leave out Quinn Snyder, too. I think he deserves to be mentioned for what he did with that Jazz team this year. They had a couple injuries in on and off. Donovan was out for a few games. Um, that's a boring team, man. I just think people are used to what he does. He's they, so good. He is a consistent he's winning so coach. Good. And that is, it's like I said, that Jazz, that Jazz team is a boring team, but that's one of the best defenses in this league. And I did, they have a star player, Donovan Mitchell. Rudy Gobert is the Rudy, best Rudy defensive Gobert player. might be the defensive player of the year again. Again. Um, so that's that's a that's a winning team. That's why I'm saying they're they're, they're not a team that you're going to expect to really just go off in the postseason and make a run because yeah. that's just not who the Jazz have been, unfortunately. But regular season, I mean, they're 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 the, they're like the Spurs. They're like the Spurs of old. How the Spurs would always win, nothing sexy. Tim Duncan, they're just very fundamental. They would go out there and just get a dub every single night, and that's what the Jazz have been, man. And they just much deserving getting that first seed in the West. But all all in all, I do think uh, Monty is the shoe in. He already got the NBAC or whatever award for the coach of the year. So I think that makes him the shoe in to get the actual award when it's all said and done. All right. Last question, Lance. Now I'm getting, uh, now, now I'm bringing in this question. This past few weeks in baseball have been kind of, kind of crazy. I, I am getting tired of these uh, unwritten rules. I want to get your thoughts on that whole unwritten rules with the, uh, it, it all it all picked up back again with when uh, I can't remember who homered on a on a on a was it on a field player uh, slow pitch and he just like was it uh, three three and zero on the on the plate at that time and he just homered and everybody was pissed and bit everybody was pretty much talking so much shit on him so I want to get your thoughts on that on this whole unwritten rules and how absurd this shit is the ma- major leagues have a lot of problems and. They, they don't do themselves any favors because they don't address problems. They just create more of them on top of those problems. One of those problems, and the biggest glaring one they have by far, besides not marketing their superstars, 
Shohei Otani is the most versatile player we have ever seen in the history of baseball, and nobody watches their games. If he was an NBA player or an NFL player, the ratings would skyrocket, and those leagues already do fine. Major League Baseball have a real problem. Their biggest problem, though, bigger than that, is the fact that they allow this type of bullshit to go on continuously in this era especially. This shit was going on back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and nobody cared because baseball was at the top. Everybody loved baseball. Nobody really cared. It was just a, it was a different time. In today's world, a social media-driven world, we focus on what? Having fun. And that's what sports are supposed to be about. Why do we watch sports? Why do we talk sports? Because it's fucking fun. For some reason, the majors refuse to get out of their own way. It's no coincidence that the team that had this very same problem has a manager who is 76 years old, who is behind the times, doesn't understand baseball as it is currently constructed, Antonio La Russa. He was going against his own player. A manager is supposed to have his players back at all times. You want to talk about him? You want to talk to him in a in an angry way or cuss him out or do those things? You do that when the cameras are off and when the microphones are down. Don't demoralize. You don't him. demoralize him in the fucking in front of the entire nation. Are you kidding me? This guy did nothing wrong. He simply swung his bat. Well, I told him to take it. The fuck you did? There's no video evidence of that. I looked for it. Couldn't find it. Tony's full of shit like he has been his entire career. This is horseshit. There's a reason it's called unwritten. Because it's not written, which means they don't matter, which means they're made up. It doesn't make sense. It's horrible. It's stupid. You want to talk about having real written rules or you know, guy, uh, uh, staying within the lines of the game and respecting the game? How about you quit throwing fucking position players out there to pitch? How about you not get smoked so bad you feel the need to put a position player out there to pitch? That's the real problem. Like our guy, uh, Trevor Bauer, who I he has become my favorite player in baseball. Troll, bro. A pitcher himself <laughs> has stated this time and time again, which I have echoed the sentiments over the years. As a baseball player myself, grew up playing baseball. You don't want a guy to, to, to sport the home run? Don't give up the fucking home run. You don't want a guy to hit a home run off your position player when you're getting your ass smoked? Don't get your ass smoked and put a position player out there throwing UFIS pitches at 47 miles an hour, which is basically begging to get crushed. That's the problem with baseball. Not dudes hitting home runs or sporting them. It's the game itself and these bullshit unwritten rules. They've never never made sense. They should have never been a part of the game. It's horseshit. It's purists at their finest talking about the game as if it's something that it isn't. It is a fun sport. Let these motherfuckers have fun, man. This is horseshit. I'm sick of it. I don't want to hear about it anymore, man. It makes me sick to my stomach. It's one of the biggest pet peeves I have in sports. This is why it's always been hard for me to, as a football, basketball guy, that's why it's always been hard for me to really lean completely into baseball and 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 and, and love the sport. I have love for the sport, and I love the, the, the poetry and motion that is baseball. Um, but it's beca- it's been and has become more and more in the worst way to get off my lawn type of sport. And it, unwritten rules are the, the, the stupidest thing, man. Like you, we got guy. I mean, it, baseball is, I don't care. I'm, this could probably make some people mad that are baseball purists, but it, it is the softest sport in professional sports. Yeah. It's, you want I, I got all these talking heads, all these old heads talking on Facebook. I see all the time, talking about how soft the NBA is. We got guys hitting a 405 yard home run and they want to flip their bat and people, their dicks quiver. People get all you know, their, their shit gets tucked inside of them because somebody's flipping the bat if they blast a 400, 400 uh, feet home run. Mm-hmm. Let them enjoy the moment. Like you, it's no fun at all. 
Like these these guys are out there, elite athletes that have been training their whole lives to go out there and have a play a game that they love, and you're not gonna let them celebrate a little bit. You'll pump their fist and yell and shit when they're running those plate, running around those plates. Like, come on, man. It doesn't. It's it, the got. They've got to move with the times. So we have a, a a whole busload of these young players that are in the league today. And this is that they grew up in the era where it's mouthy, where it's a little more trash talk, where it's less and they're they're less offended by things. They're out there trying to have fun and talk shit. Baseball tries to keep with the, the old 1950s, 1940s, 1920s shit. And it's it, it it's gonna die if they keep that up. It's really and it's been dying for some years now. But baseball is gonna if it continues to regress instead of progress with these young players that want to have fun in this game and want to celebrate when they, you know, have the moment of their career when they're hitting home runs and shining in the biggest stage, like let them enjoy it. The the, the prime example I always go with real quick is when uh, Garrett Cole four years ago against Carlos Gonzalez, Carlos Gonzalez hit a, a streaker yeah. off of a uh, Garrett Cole, one of the best pitchers in baseball. And he, he flaunted, he was walking off on the baseline real quick or real slow. Ends up not being a home run, got a triple out of it. Yeah. Garrett Cole got mad at Carlos Gomez for that. If you're the pitcher, you should be happy he did that because he didn't get it inside the park home run. If he had belted it out of the base, out of the box, he would have got it inside the park home run. So if anything, don't be mad about that. Be happy he did that. And furthermore, we coddle to the pitchers. These guys get here and say, "Oh, don't bunt when it's a blowout or a no hitter, so a no hitter." It's it, you're trying to get on up. base, and a, like, yeah. Clayton Kershaw got mad at a guy a month ago, and it was because uh, it, it was a close game and it, it was a blowout. It ends up being a three run game. And it all started with him doing that and rallying. So that's it, man. Eddie Hour was awesome. We're going to get to our guests from Edge Sports and Marketing Management, Linda Dorsey and Tanisha Mahomes. We'll get back to that after this. We are widening the corridors and adding more lanes. We are building a religion, a limited edition. We are now accepting callers for the defendant keychains. Casey Hemp Company your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide, ancient plant for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Casey Hempco. Hey, yo. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number three. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And Eddie Ortiz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we are very much privileged, as I as I alluded in the first segment, and I am not mincing words. I am not trying to overstate this. We always consider it a true and honest privilege when these ladies join us here at the Spoken Podcast because they are very busy ladies. They got a lot going on, but they are so kind and so so uh, charitable, if you will, to give us the time that they have on this Friday night. Let's give it up for Edge Sports and Marketing Management, the pioneers of it, if you will, Mrs. Tanisha Mahomes and Linda Dorsey. How are we doing tonight, ladies? All right, all right. Love that oh, introduction. Always doing good. It's a pleasure, man, always. Yeah, so, I love that introduction. We appreciate you having us on the show. Absolutely. It's been too long. It's been, it's been, too long. It's been way too long, and we apologize. That's on us. But we promise you guys that we we always appreciate when you guys are here with us because we know it isn't just a good time to talk to some friends. We know that you guys know what's going on out there in the world of sports, and that's why I had you on this show ultimately. And so, Linda, I want to start with you real quick about this. I mean, we, we've had a long offseason, and we still have a little ways to go when it comes to Chiefs football. 
And I know we talked about this on the show last time about the expectations and the pressures that are on Patrick Mahomes and what we expect to see him in the next season. Because we feel like every single time, every single offseason, he's elevating his game. And we know that he had some surgery on his foot during the turf toe that he endured last in the playoffs last year. But I, I want to get your thoughts. What What is it that you expect to see from Patrick Mahomes' game in the 2021 season that you did not see in any of the three previous seasons? Well, I think he's going to take everything to the next level. I think the injury, you know, um, based on what we're hearing is, you know, he he just saw it today. You know, he's healing well. Um, he's coming back. Uh, I think the way the season ended probably left a bad taste in his mouth. So I just expect him to get better and better. He's going to learn. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to have a great season. It looks like, you know, what they needed, they got what they needed, offensive line, so he has some protection. So if you get time, I think he can only get better and better. It's like teams can – you can plan a defense. I was watching something this morning. You can plan a defense against certain players. It doesn't matter. They're just that good where they're going to excel. So I think he'll excel, and I think the players around him are going to excel too. I think it's just a, a great team effort, and I think that they're going to do um, – I think it's just a bad taste in their mouth. They they just got to come out with, you know, on all cylinders. And I think they'll have a great season. And I think he'll have a great season also. Tanisha, I I, I know that we have talked uh, before and we've talked about how the, the Chiefs have got to build an offensive line. And they they need – I said it before this, this – even the offseason even began, that the number one goal this offseason has to be that the Chiefs – give Patrick Mahomes every bit of protection that he not only needs, but deserves. Uh, we saw what happened in the Super Bowl, and obviously you can't avoid injury. You know, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz were out. The Chiefs lost five starting offensive linemen before this during the duration of the season last season. But now we've seen how they have retooled this offensive line at an unprecedented rate. How do you see this team built around Patrick Mahomes? Because my personal belief is this is the best roster he has had under center as the Chiefs quarterback since he got drafted. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm going to tell you something. The fact that uh, Beach was able to get Brown, I mean, I don't know what kind of magic he's pulling off. I mean, to get that second round pick. I mean, I'm starting to think the dude is Houdini. I don't know what's going on, but I am so (laughs) excited that Patrick A. Won't be on his back again like he experienced in the Super Bowl, and I just have a, I have I, I have the confidence that with that line and he has enough time and now he's got the you know a little bit more experience and you know in, in the losing department as well as in the winning department I just feel like it's gonna be a great season I know everybody everybody is like everybody got better and all that good stuff but man I'm telling you all he needs is time. I mean, we got the speed. We got, we got the, you know, we got the Tyreeks. We got the Kelseys. I think, you know, the, the season is going to be no different than others. They're going to repeat as the champ, and I think we're going to see him right back in the Super Bowl. And it's not because he's my nephew. It's just <laughs> because they're set. They're ready to go. No, you're just, you're, you're just speaking facts, and that's actually something we definitely agree with. Because, And that's actually want to piggyback and go right back to you, Tanisha, and then right to you, Linda, afterwards. I, I, the way I look at it, just from the naked eye, when it comes to the AFC in particular, which is obviously where the Chiefs play in their conference, I, I need somebody to almost pitch to me the idea that somebody this offseason has put themselves in the same 
class, the same echelon as the Chiefs, because I don't see it. And I know I'm very close to the situation out here in Kansas City. I'm obviously a, ma- a major fan of what we do here in Kansas City. But I just from a football perspective, I don't see a single team in the AFC side that even poses a legitimate threat. Tanisha, Linda, do you guys see that? Or am I just am I blind here? I mean, am I Stevie Wonder over here? I don't think you're blind. You go I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go first. I don't think you're blind. I think some people that could, uh, teams, two teams that would make me nervous, I guess, would be the Browns. And I know some people will probably laugh at that. That's just a tricky team to me. And the Bills. Uh, I think those are two solid teams, two well-coached teams. And in that being, you know, I think for the Browns getting it together, they've just been building and building and building. I think that's a team to watch. Um, last year's game was an exciting game. The Bills, the same thing, an exciting game. Um, the only thing with the Bills differently with the quarterback, his issue, he just doesn't know when to get rid of the ball. If he can, if he can, uh, if he can figure those things out and they have a couple of more wide receivers and stuff like that, they're dangerous because they have speed and he's a big boy. So he's not afraid to run. So that, that's a team. I just think teams that have or want revenge, right? Those are the teams to really watch out for. So, you know, the Chiefs, everybody's going to hate on the Chiefs. Everybody's going to hate them. That's the team. That's the team to go after. So, you know, one little slip up or whatever you have, you just can't have a bad week. You cannot have a bad week. I mean, we, we go back to last year and you look at what happened with Vegas. They should have never lost a game to uh, Vegas, to the Raiders. And you have one bad week, one, you know, one bad game and, and, it didn't cost them. I mean, in the end, they came out on top, but um, not in the Super Bowl, but on top, you know, of the division. But it's just those are the two teams that that worry me. And and the Ravens are in the back of my mind. They're just I don't know what the Ravens are going to look like. I really don't know what the Ravens are going to look like. The rest of them, I think they'll be along the way, but I don't think they're true contenders. That's just my my opinion. Nisha. Well, I'm going to disagree with you just a smidget because. Of I lean towards the Chargers. I like Herbert. I like what Herbert's doing. He he he's composed, and he reminds me a lot of Little Cat when he's taking his time and he's throwing the ball. And he's you know this is a guy that got kind of thrust into the middle of the, you know in the season because Tyrod ended up having um a shot you know an unfortunate medical emergency, and he he came right out and he played well. Um, a lot of the games the Chargers lost were close games. I feel like Oakland, even though they're the ones who beat us last year, like legitimately beat us because we, all the players on on the, on the field, they they're not going to be that team. They got rid of some players. Um, uh, they didn't keep everybody. I I kind of thought that they should keep. I agree with you with the Bills because they added um, um, Emmanuel Sanders. I think unlike other people, I think. You know, he he he's he he had a bad season or not a bad season. He didn't have a productive season because he was with with New Orleans last year. Drew uh, Drew, uh, Drew Brees was banged up, ribs broken. You know, they're playing um, the other kid tight end, and I, I feel like he he wasn't able to put his his talents on display, so they didn't feel the need to the keep him. But I think you know the Bills were smart enough to say, hey, this guy could have had a great season had he had somebody to throw him the ball. And so Josh Allen, I like the um, the um, the progress that he's been making, um, but he does hang on to the ball too long. 
and he's a big guy, and he it almost seems like he has a chip on his shoulder as, as, as if he needs to prove himself. And I think, if anything, that's what's going to get him in yeah. trouble is he's yeah. probably going to get lit up like he did against the Patriots, and they're going to be without a quarterback. And I think Mitch Trubisky is their backup, so we know how that's going to work out. So literally, and I'm I'm being I'm being serious. I think the Chargers um, are the are the Chiefs' competition and the Browns. I do agree with the Browns. Something about the Browns. I mean, Gar- I mean Garrett. They got a line. That's, I mean, it's just it's too much going on there. They got too many first rounders. Um, they're they're learning every year. They went from a team that wasn't win- winning anything to a team that that managed to get into the playoffs. I mean, I, I see the Browns' potential, and they to me seem like the team that could maybe upset something. But um, I'd be willing to bet just the um, you know Patrick being on the same. Uh, Baker in college for a brief amount of time there before he transferred, you know, that whole going over to Oklahoma, him eating tortillas on the side of the field, being, you know, him throwing, you know, 800 and some yards and still losing the game. I still think he carries that with him. So it's going to be hard for Baker to be packed because if there's any way possible, if he got to do a round dog backhand spring and a layout to throw it, he will <laughs> to beat the Browns. Yeah. That's just how I feel. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> call me, you know, call me uh, biased or whatever. I just think the Browns are probably going to give them the most trouble, but I still think they're going to overcome that. And then I think the Chargers are just some. I mean, the Chargers are up and coming. Please don't slip on the Chargers, man. Herbert's no joke. Now, now he was a rookie, so you know that that second year it, it can be rough. Uh, I would like coaching it to be staff rough. Too. <laughs> yeah, that you know, that's why I, I would like it to be rough. But, uh, yeah. you know, but okay, cool. You know what I mean? Uh, the Chargers and the Browns are, are, are the problem for me. Yeah. I think they're, they're going to be the, the main problem. I, I like the Chargers too. But I just think like with everything new, it's almost like they're starting all over. I think if they had kept their coach, I'd give them more of a chance. Um, new system. That's a fair point. That, that's a fair point, Linda, that you make because of the fact that if you look at the AFC West as a whole right now, and I actually, Tanisha, I 100% agree with you. I'm, I'm a massive, massive fan of Justin Herbert. I actually, I think oh, yeah. that he's got a ton of potential. And I want to piggyback off that in just a second. But just looking at the AFC West picture, as far as head coaching is concerned, you're talking about, you have Andy Reid, one of the greatest coaches to ever live. And then the significant drop-off from John Gruden to Vic Fangio in Denver. And then you have Brandon Staley, who was a defensive coordinator for one season with the Rams and then holes over across town or essentially in the same state, same stadium now, but just a different team with the Chargers. We have no idea what Brandon Staley is going to be as a head coach. We barely know what he was as a defensive coordinator. So there are, there are more questions than answers. If you ask me when it comes to not just the Chargers, but as the AFC West as a whole, barring the Chiefs or outside of the Chiefs. So that's why I feel so confident that even if the Chargers with Justin Herbert, you know, holding them, carrying them on their back, I don't think they have enough proven commodities on that team to really give me any true fear. Now, when it comes to these young quarterbacks, that's actually my next question for both of you. And Linda, I'll start with you. When it comes to quarterbacks and it comes to the tiers, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold back here. I think that you guys would agree with me. I don't want to speak for you, but I think you ladies would agree with me. There's Patrick Mahomes and then there's everybody else. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is the closest thing to Patrick. But, Aaron, but Patrick is a, is a better quarterback than anyone that is currently in the league. And if you ask me, the greatest quarterback that's ever lived. But if you – so we have to start talking about 
who's the who's the guy that's going to come after Patrick? Because Patrick's going to reign supreme for years to come. And for me, if I'm going to take a wild guess here, just based off of situation and talent, I think it's going to be Trey Lance in San Francisco. I've been a big, big fan of his before he even got drafted. And I said, it's not when you get drafted, it's where you get drafted. I think he landed in the perfect position with Kyle Shanahan. He's in the NFC, so he doesn't have to see Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs until the Super Bowl. What are your thoughts? Who is that young and up-and-coming quarterback that you see that could be behind Patrick directly? When you say behind him directly, I think there's some quarterbacks that I think are going to do some things. I like Joe Burrows. Mm, there you go. He got hurt last year. I I, I like I, that kid's got a lot of heart. Um, he 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 doesn't have all the weapons, but I think if you got him the right weapons, um, he could definitely produce. I didn't think he had a bad year last year. You know, he just unfortunately got hurt. You got to put Herbert back in that um back in that conversation. Trey Lance got to see what he does. Um, Dak. Dak Prescott, mm. um, you know, I, God knows what he would have done last year had, had he not got injured. He was off to a great start. So, you know, it, 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 you can have good quarterbacks. You can have fair quarterbacks. You surround yourself with the right players. I mean, you could take some players if, if you take, like you say, Aaron Rodgers, we don't know what's going to happen with him, right? So, but you take the players, look at the, the tools that Tom Brady has. And you give those to Joe Burrow or you give those to Herbert or you give that with that coaching staff and with that defense, what, what do they do with that? So I think in all fairness to say, yes, this takes nothing away from um, Patrick because his talents are just unmatched at this point. But I think if you surround some of those other players with the right parts, so to speak, I think they could do they, they could do a lot better or be close or you could even have a conversation and put them in the same conversation. But right now, I don't think anybody has the whole package that you can put them in that conversation. I haven't seen them. I've seen some good things from them, you know, Josh Allen, all these guys. I've seen some great things from them, but nothing to make me say, whoa. And I, I'm, I'm excited about Trey Lance. I want to see what he does. I'm excited to see him because um, I think it's going to be a change, definitely a change for that team. That's something that they need. So I, I'm with you on Trey Lance. I, I'm, I'm excited to see Trey Lance um, as well. But I'm going to be honest with you. When we're talking about like, talent-wise, you know, I don't know how it's going to work out for him. But, you know, had this year, come back this year, I think, um, and, he was, and he had some weapons and they weren't uh, trading away to our players for a bag of potato chips and a soda. <laughs> I mean, I, I think Deshaun Watson could have possibly been, you know, close to where, where we're talking about where Pat is, where they would be having some battles that we, we come to love. Um, I don't believe that Baker has that type of talent, but Baker's he he's got he's got some kind of it or something about him that Baker, you know, with the right with the right surroundings, just like Linda said, he can get it done. He can absolutely get it done. He 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 won in college. He's used to winning. He doesn't like to lose. He has that. I, I, I like I like Baker, even though a lot of people don't. I think he's got something, and they're building around Baker, which is always great. Um, the other guy, um, I think, like I said, is is, is Justin Herbert. I'm, I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to seeing what Justin Herbert is going to do. Right now, he's like one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch. And we're talking about young guys, because if we weren't talking about young guys, I'd be talking about Russell Wilson right now. So we're we're talking about the young guys, but I, I think Herbert is going it's gonna take Trey. I mean, 
I'm not saying that Trey Lance can't do that because he's got a good team, but I don't see Trey Lance having the start that Herbert had, and I um, even with the 49ers because he's not throwing to who's he throwing to? I mean, we got Debo Sanders. I mean, Debo. Um, not Debo, and we and I can't remember. Um, they got rid of um the other guy. Um, he left. Uh, Claymore. Um, um, whatever Osborne, whatever his name was, he left. So I'm not sure he has the weapons around him to make a difference. But when I look at some of the people that Herbert has around him, you know, Williams and everything, I'm thinking there's there's some, you know, a couple years that might be a nice connection. So I'm definitely going with Herbert as his competition this year um, as the young guys. And I do like Joe Burrows as well. But you got to come back from injury. I've had six knee surgeries and a knee replacement. Um, once you tear your knee up, it's something that goes in your head that kind of makes you a little timid uh, without you really wanting to be timid. So I'm, I need to see what he's going to look like after the injury before I throw him out there. But I do believe, um, you know, he was on a great – he had a great start going. I liked his guts. I, I liked what he was doing. But um, I'm leaning towards Herbert. I think they're, I think Herbert and Pat will be wowing, wowing people for some time. I got a question because back to you guys. So I think a a dynamic player, somebody we didn't talk about, he's got some dynamic, very athletic. Uh, We haven't seen him, what he can do as far as throwing, right, is Lamar Jackson. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so uh, here's my thing about Lamar. Uh, When he got drafted, I said he was going to be the most successful quarterback of that draft class. And so far, that's not even been close. Of course he's been. He's. Mm -hmm. I mean, the only one you can really compare him to is Sam Darnold. And that's not comparable. So right. uh, I would say Lamar Jackson is he's a, he's a really he's a, he's a unique he's a unique uh, uh, specimen, if you will, because of the fact that he is a quarterback. I don't I don't want to disrespect him and say he's not. The problem is is he's the type of quarterback that relies so much on his athleticism, and the ability to break away with his feet, that a lot of times when it comes down to because we know how the, what the quarterback position comes down to, it's can you make the throws. And Lamar, unfortunately, Lamar has not gotten to that place yet. And he is. He's only 24 years old. He just turned 24. So time for development is there. But I am rapidly losing faith that Lamar can become the guy that makes those throws. That's why I've even suggested crazy theories and trade speculations of if I'm the Ravens, I entertain the thought of kicking the tires to try to trade for Aaron Rodgers and incentivize a trade to get Lamar Jackson to Green Bay because we know that Aaron Rodgers, although he is older by about 13 years, he's going to give you three to four years of great football that you know he can make those throws and he can legitimately put the Ravens at a caliber of contention against the Chiefs, who are the class of the AFC because Aaron Rodgers, like I mentioned, is the only quarterback that comes close to Patrick when it comes to talent, when it comes to expectation, when it comes to consistency and to be able to make those throws on plays that are broken. Lamar is not there. Lamar is fun. Lamar is exciting. But we know what the story is each and every time when he gets into the playoffs. He shrinks. He doesn't make the throws. And the Ravens are left wanting and upset and unsatisfied. And I think that's how it's going to continue until he proves me otherwise. You think that's well, I think on him? the reason why Lamar I think the reason why Lamar doesn't look like a thrower is because he doesn't have anyone to throw the ball to. Yeah. That- it's Willie Snee and Brown. Okay. I mean, Brown's great. He dropped like 15 balls, and I'm exaggerating, obviously, but he had some, he had some butterfingers there. He was having some drops. I mean, he got Snead. I mean, he doesn't have a big – he doesn't have a Julio. He doesn't have a Michael Thomas. 
He doesn't have, hell, he don't have a um, Tyreek. He don't have anybody that he can really legitimately launch something, know they're going to go up and get it, throw a 50-50 ball. He doesn't have a, a Devontae Adams. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has somebody. Um, Herbert has Williams. He has um, Kenyon Allen. Yep. You got people that can go get the ball. Lamar's got to be pinpoint on there, or he's throwing it to um to um his tight end. That I think if you go get him some 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 help, he needs help. I don't think that Lamar can throw. I've seen plenty of videos of Lamar throwing balls to people down the field and hitting them in stride. The problem is is that his he can barely see his guys over the guys his whole that that that's protecting him. He doesn't have any height, and I think he needs he needs better he needs a better wide receiving core to go to that next level. You're asking him to do something that in a is not his strong point, not his, the the strongest point in his game. But at least if you're not if it's not the strongest point game, at least try to make it as easy as possible on him. You don't go get the shortest guys or the guys that can't that are, are new in the league and can't break away, can't get separation. You don't get those guys. Um, you don't get those guys and then ask the guy to be accurate if accuracy is not his number one trait like that. Well, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah, and, I'm pretty sure and you don't Ron give up Orlando Brown. Brown. Right. Especially to yeah, the number one team in the AFC. Right. That, I'm still scratching my head on that. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm, I'm sure like he's scratching to, his I head like also. Thank you. I like to thank whoever made that decision because they probably won't have a job after this year. Yeah, but I like right. to thank them. Now, and, and, and Tanisha, I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to respond to your response. I I think you make some very valid points as far as wide receiver depth and the lack thereof in Baltimore. I think that 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 is valid. For me, it's you look at okay when you when you're in the AFC and you're not the Chiefs, <laughs> your number one objective is to do what to beat the Chiefs and. Lamar Jackson, I believe, only has seven losses in his entire career. Eight losses, I believe, in his entire career. Not, not, not talking about the playoffs. Three of them have come to Kansas City, and if you watch those games, see, in, in Lamar Jackson's career, outside of the Chiefs games that he's had, the three matchups he's had with the Chiefs, he only averages about 17 pass per ten, pass attempts per game against every other team not named Kansas City. Against Kansas City, they literally double. He throws 34 pass attempts per game. Yet his yards per throw and his yards per game aren't that much different. So, again, I believe if you give him more talent, it will help Lamar develop. I'm a believer of Lamar. I want to clarify that. I believe in Lamar Jackson. I think he's one of the most athletically, if not the most athletically gifted quarterback we have ever seen in the history of the NFL. He is up there with Mike, Michael Vick. I mm-hmm. truly believe that. Mm-hmm. He's actually bigger than Michael Vick, taller than Michael Vick. And I think he's actually got just as good, if not a better arm than Michael Vick. Yeah. For me, it's I have to see him make, and I say the throws. I don't mean he can't hit guys in stride. Of course he can. He's a he's an NFL quarterback. He's one of the best in the game. I'm talking about in the playoffs in those crunch moments or against the Chiefs in those regular season games. Can he make those throws when they're there? I haven't seen it yet, but because he's so young and because he's so talented, I am open minded. Along with the fact that I believed in him very early in his career, I am open minded that he can change that because again. He has the capabilities. Just will he do it? That's the question. So um, I, I want to ask a couple more questions before we get you guys out of here. And I do so much appreciate your time here with us tonight uh, with Linda Dorsey and Tanisha Mahomes. When it comes to the Chiefs in particular on the offensive side, outside of Patrick Mahomes, I said the person that I think all these offensive line acquisitions the Chiefs made this offseason and in the draft that is going to benefit more than even Patrick himself is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. 
I believe mm-hmm. the, I'm, I'm big on Clyde. Mm-hmm. I, I love the draft pick because Patrick wanted him. I thought he fit the offense perfectly. He is as close to a substitute as Kareem Hunt as you could possibly get when it comes to talent and what he can do on the field. You saw without OTAs, without training camp, without a starting offensive line, with missing three games last season, Clyde still put up 1,100 total yards and six touchdowns. I think this is going to be a monumental year for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think him and Daryl Williams. I told Trevor, I told Eddie, maybe I'll be crazy about this because there are better run games out there. I would not be shocked if the Chiefs led the AFC in rushing this season because of this offensive line, because what I believe Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to be as untapped potential. Tanisha, I want to start with you. And Linda, I want to get your thoughts on this. What are your expectations of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the 2021 season? Well, I'm excited excited for him because before he got injured, he was tearing it up. And so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing a healthy Clyde, uh, a, a more experienced one now, um, after being, you know, after getting past is a rookie year. And I agree with you. I'm um I think that he's about as close as you're gonna get to Kareem Hunt with, with, with making people miss and things of that nature. So I'm with you one hundred percent on that. Like I think he's gonna benefit the most. Um, outside of Pat, there's no, uh, I, I have, I, I do not disagree with what you just said. I agree 100% with that. Oh, yeah, I, I, I'm I, the same. I can't argue with any of that. And the one-two punch, Williams, I mm-hmm. like him also. So if they have a line and they're going to benefit from that, not if they do, they do have, yeah. a line, so they're going to benefit from that too. And him working harder last year, rookie, like you said, didn't have all the training camps and everything, you know, like you normally wouldn't having that this year and having that experience under his belt from last year. I expect great things from him this year. Tell us a little bit about what's going on with edge sports and marketing management guys. Let it, let us know what's what, what the latest is. I I've been so excited. I wanted to ask this question from the beginning, but I wanted to save it towards the end. Linda, what, what's, what's, what's the latest with you guys over at edge? Well, the biggest thing we're working on right now is the Big Mahomes show. So the podcast, um, we're taping. We're going to have some stuff. We'll be launching. We've got some exciting guests coming up. Uh, Pat's doing some, some some great things. He knows just about everybody. I'm surprised. Tanisha knows more of who he knows. It's like, oh, call this person, call that person. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, we've done a couple of shows with him. So you'll hear us chopping up with him a little bit. So we're excited about that. We're working with Darren, of course, who you know. Um getting some things out there. We're going to start blogging with him. And then we're going to start also probably appearing on his show. I was just talking to him earlier and we just signed um, someone else. Um, Tanisha, you want to talk more about him? Oh yeah. We, we, we um, signed a, a guy named Terrell. Um, he's a, a cosplay guy and he's up and coming and he's like the man you can find him on Instagram under Claude X. And this dude has, I mean, He's got he's got cosplay down to his science, and we'll be going to Florida to go to some of the big cosplay shows that um, represent with him. Um, and I mean, I'm excited about that because that's a whole nother arena that you know I didn't know much about, but once I started diving into it, it's exciting. You 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 can't believe the fanfare around cosplay these days. So um, I'm looking forward to that. Um, we have some other um, things in the work, like you said, with Darren. And uh, you're going to see some big things from um, from Edge Sports coming up. I mean, we got some things in the work. We're young, we're young, but we're definitely um, we're rolling. We're definitely oh. rolling. Oh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't question, I don't question what what the future holds for you guys at all because I love and I'm behind everything you guys are doing. Uh, we're excited to see this thing start from the ground. I'm excited for everything, especially 
the Big Mahomes show, which, by the way, just to throw this out here, I mean, from Pat himself, Pat Sr. himself, he's like, I'm going to get you on my show. So I'm, I'm waiting for the invite. Oh. I, know, I, know, I know you got A-listers, and I'm like, no, a, I'm, no. like, I'm like an X-lister, but no, still. You're not. You're I'm, not. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm you're on. You are on. You're on our list. You are on the list. Absolutely on the list. Yep. You already. You're on the list. Shaggy's on the list. We're gonna have some awesome times, man. It's not all gonna be, you know, celebrities. We're, this show is gonna be fun. Like, like I said, we got cosplay guys. We got everybody. We're we're having a fun show. I love so hearing. It's not it. just gonna be. Yeah, it's not gonna be just. You're not gonna have that. Um, just the you know football and baseball and everything. We're getting everything in there. If it's happening, it's gonna be on the Big Mahomes show. Yep. I'm going to let you guys know, whenever you guys do get here in Kansas City, this is something I've been waiting to tell you guys. When you come to Kansas City and you let me know when you drop in, we are the Spoken Podcast is taking you out for Kansas City Barbecue. So you guys let me know where you want to go. No, we're going wherever you take us. Uh, okay, I, we're going to Gates then. I'm taking you okay. guys to Gates. That is wherever my, you take us. Dude, we're, in, we're in. We're <laughs> in. All right. Say Lance is buying. Yeah. Well, well, Eddie's gonna buy, but I'm gonna take his money and say it's mine. So okay, <laughs> use the spoken credit card. Awesome. <laughs> well, hey, ladies, Lance, we... you're, speak, you're speaking to me, man. I just oh. judged the rib contest like two weeks ago. Test me oh, now in this. Goodness. Test me now in this. I'm telling you, you show up to Kansas City, you're gonna have barbecue in front of you. Hey, we looking Absolutely, forward to it, man. Thank you so much. That is that is Linda Dorsey. It's Nisha Mahomes from Edge Sports and Marketing Management. Ladies, thank you so, so much for being here with us. This is, we could have just kept going this whole time, but you know what? I understand your time is valuable, and we value your time. So thank you so much for being here with us, and I cannot wait. You and don't take so long to invite us back. <laughs> well, hey. We want to be invited when it's juicy out there. Anything crazy going on, you know who to call. Oh, yeah. I'm, call, I'm calling you guys then Ghostbusters, you know? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thank you so much, ladies. We really do appreciate it. I hope you guys have a great weekend. We'll talk soon, okay? All right. Take care. All right. All right. Thanks for having me. That was a blast. That was an absolute blast. We thank those ladies for being here with us. And we're going to take a quick break because when we get back, we got to get to you guys. Well, actually, we don't. I take it back. We're going to give you guys our NBA predictions for round one. We'll get back to that after this. Midcoast Modern is a Kansas City focus on modern, handmade, and small brands. A resource for design-centric home goods, apparel, jewelry, artwork, and limited edition gifts. We support makers, artists from the Midcoast, and bring in goods from makers, artists around the U.S. to offer a unique selection. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number four. I am your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell was good. and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. We once again want to thank our ladies from Edge Sports and Marketing Management, Linda Dorsey and Tanisha Mahomes, for that awesome segment. We could, have, I'm serious, guys. We could have made a whole entire episode out of that segment, man. That would have been an absolute blast to keep them on. Um, and we are definitely going to have them back on very soon. They were great. Thank you, ladies, so much. Definitely give them a follow on Twitter, Facebook. They're, 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 I'm telling you guys, they're the up-and-coming marketing management team that you want to get around. You're going to see some great things from that company for sure. So we need to move on to our NBA predictions. 
I want to make this – I want to get right into this, guys, because I am so fired up, man. The NBA playoffs are finally here. Cannot wait to see what's going to take place. So let's get right into it. Let's start with the Eastern Conference, the one versus eight matchup. The Philadelphia 76ers host, host the Washington Wizards. Um, I'm going to keep this very simple, guys. Russell Westbrook is Russell Westbrook in the playoffs each and every year. We talk about he is a contradiction – he puts up all-time great numbers. He's an all-time great talent, but he crumbles each and every time he's in the playoffs. I expect the exact same. The Sixers have arguably the best defense in the NBA, if not the second-best defense in the NBA. Joel Embiid is one of the five best players in the NBA. Ben Simmons is clicking on all cylinders as an all-around player outside of shooting. I think this is going to be a quick one. I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be a barn burner, a lot of high scoring, especially on the Sixers side of things. I think the Philadelphia 76ers sweep the Wizards 4-0. Trevor, what do you think? I'm 100% there, too. I think it's a sweep. I just think this is this is David versus Goliath here, man. This is uh, – and with the – you know, obviously with the Sixers being David because we know the story. But um, I just uh, – the talent is just overwhelming for uh, – on the Sixers side of things. Uh, they have absolutely no answer for Joel Embiid on that in the Wizards roster. I'm glad – I'm happy for Bradley Beal. I will say that. I'm glad I'm happy for Bradley Beal to be in the postseason – it's good to see him. He deserves it. The guy's been a stud since day one. Uh, one of the best scorers in this league. He's been snubbed a lot of times from from you know all NBA teams, um, all star selections. I think the guy is more deserving than what he's been given. Uh, so I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Russ to be able to you know go there to a, a terrible franchise and will them to a, a postseason you know, appearance. So that alone itself is hyper impressive. Um, although it's going to fall short here fairly quickly in my mind. I think I'm, I'm calling a sweep as well. Listen, man. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna add. I'm not, I'm not gonna add too much. I know the Philadelphia, uh, the Philadelphia 76 are, are, It's a, a walk in the park. Yeah, it's a walk in the park for him. Uh, but I love my guy Russ. I, I, I gotta give him a little bit of credit here. Uh, I don't think it's gonna be a sweep. I do think the the Wizards are gonna win one game. It, it, it's still gonna be a, a pretty bad bad situation for the Wizards. But I do give Russ and the Wizards a, a one-game victory here. That's probably going to catch everybody off guard. It's probably going to be game four where uh, they think uh, Philadelphia, you know, coming in confident and, and you know, thinking that it, it, they're going to eliminate the Wizards. I think the, uh, Russ is going to step his game up. He's going to win that game for them. They're going to go to game five. Obviously, they're going to lose. But mm -hmm. I, I do got to give, give, give my guy yeah. Russ some credit. You I'm know? not saying they can't do it. They can definitely do it. And then we got the four versus five seeds in the Eastern Conference, the New York Knicks, the most surprising team in the NBA this year, against the Atlanta Hawks, who have a absolute studded Trey Young. Fun series. It's going to be a fun series. Yeah. I really wanted to pick the Hawks in this one, but I'm going to go with the Knicks because of the fact that I think they're just the best story right now. Tom Thibodeau is so experienced in the playoffs, guys. I don't mean to disrespect – what Mark McMillan has done with the Atlanta, Atlanta Hawks. I, I think he's the most underappreciated and, quite frankly, the most disrespected head coach we have ever seen in the NBA. Yeah. Everywhere he goes, he elevates those teams and he continues to get fired. I wonder what that is. So I'm going to go ahead and still stick with the Knicks. I think this one is going to go all seven. I think this is going to be a tough drag them out. I think there's actually going to be multiple blowouts. I think the it's Hawks fun, I think the Hawks blow yeah. out the Knicks a couple times, but I think Thibodeau is going to get this team prepared. I think you see Derrick Rose redemption. I think he's going to get another chance to go a little bit deeper in the playoffs. Gonna I'm going to say the Knicks in seven games. Yeah, how about the resurrection of Derrick Rose this year, man? He might be the sixth man this season. Yeah, he's, he's, been he's great. in the finalist. He's yeah. been healthy. He's been great. He's been consistent. He's, he's awesome. the, he, might, he might get that award this year. He might be sixth man this year. Um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I'm going to say it goes six. Um, and I say the the home teams, whenever they're at, wherever home team is, I think they dominate the, those games. But I think the Knicks 
Uh, being the higher seed, I think the Knicks take care of business at their home games, and I think they destroy the Hawks a couple times. Um, but, yeah, I, I just like the Knicks roster overall better. I think that they're just playing at a high, a high caliber, man. And that offense, that's a fun offense to watch. Everybody just it's, – it's very loose. That's, that's Tom Thibodeau. He plays a lot of loose-type basketball. He lets his guys kind of just go play, and I love that about him. Um, similar to how Greg Popovich would. Greg Popovich would let his, his stars go do what they do. Um, so, yeah, I like the Knicks in, I like the Knicks in six games. All right. I know you guys know basketball a lot more than I do. Uh, I try my best when it comes to basketball. I try watching it, but I, it's really not my, my thing. Yeah. I, I've been to basketball games. I enjoy it. But in this series, uh, I think the Knicks are going to nix it. And, and Ooh, th- well said. And, and I do think Trey Young could go I, off. I do man. think Trey yeah. Young and the Atlanta Hawks are going to go off. Uh, nice. I do. I do see the the Hawks winning in seven. Okay. Now moving to the three uh, versus six seeds in the Eastern Conference is the Milwaukee Bucks hosting the Miami Heat. This is the most unfortunate matchup for the Bucks because this is the team that has Giannis figured out better than anyone else in the league. We saw what happened in the bubble. I don't believe that was a mirage. That wasn't a flash in the pan. The Miami Heat are one of the most well-coached and well-cultured teams in the entire NBA. There's no mystery to it. They have a lot of size. They have really good outside shooting. Jimmy Butler is an absolute stud, and he has continued to blossom in the playoffs over the last couple of seasons. As as great as Giannis has been this season, and I'm talking about maybe his best season to date, and the Bucs are a very formidable team. They got a lot of pressure riding on them. I'm sticking with the Miami Heat. I think the Miami, Miami Heat are going to win a very long series. It's going to be six games, not five games like it was last year. I think it's going to be an extra game because Giannis is going to will this Bucks team to a couple victories. But they're better, like I said, the Heat are the better coach team. They're the better overall roster, and they are built better for the playoffs. And quite frankly, they're the worst matchup for the Bucks in the playoffs. And then unfortunately, they get them round one. I'm going to stick with the Miami Heat in this series. Man, yeah, this is going to be one of those slow grinder, 95 to 98 score, mid 80s into the fourth. Late in the fourth, this is gonna be a low-scoring de- defensive game and a very, like I said, a grueling game because that's how it was last year in the bubble. This is a, 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 a just a slugfest, man. Um, no team was even, neither team was really dominating one another, but the Heat did play Giannis very, very well, um, probably better than anybody. Um, but I think I think Giannis gets it done this year. I think I think the bubble was a different scenario. Um, the Heat flourished in the bubble. I don't think the Heat are the same team they were last year. And that's shown during the entire season. They have not been very good. Um, they're the seed that they're at because of they, they didn't have any real major health issues. They just haven't been very good this year. Um, I love Coach Spo, but I just don't believe in the Heat this year. I think they were uh, they were opportunists last season. I'm not 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 knocking the talent on that team because they do have a lot of talent. I love Jimmy Butler. I just think Giannis is going to manhandle these guys. I think he's going to get the job done. I have the Bucks winning in five. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I don't have the Bucks winning in five, but I do have the Bucks winning. I think Giannis, uh, uh, he he wants that championship. Is it going to be enough this year to make it to the finals and you know actually fight for a chance to win the championship? I don't know, uh, but I do. I do uh, matchup wise. I do think the Bucks are the better team. Uh, I just I, I think at this moment in time, like Trevor said, uh, that the Heat are just not not really been that great like they were last season. Uh, well, it's not the they same. were great last season. No, no, no. It's not the same Bucks team. They've they gotten some uh, best, Heat some with a five pieces. seed last better year. Pieces. No, but I think the Heat in the bubble, like Drew Trev said, they took a bet, like opportunists in that bubble. Yeah. I, I do think the Heat took the opportunity in the bubble. 
But I can see the Bucks winning in six in this series. Yeah. And then we have to wrap up the Eastern Conference side in round one. We have the number two seed uh, Brooklyn Nets hosting this the number seven Boston Celtics. You would you would automatically assume the Nets are just going to roll. Let me remind everybody, guys. James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving had played a grand total of eight games together, and all three of them have missed at least twelve games this season. So it's going to be one of those things where I, I, the Nets are the better team. They're going to win this series. But do not be shocked if this one goes six. Well, and Jalen Brown being out for the rest of the season is a, it's gonna is suck. a massive blow. Man. Jason Tatum has shown, though, man, and especially with the and lack Kimba's of interior. Been playing really well. Yeah, the lack of interior presence, it's not going to matter against a team in the Celtics that lack size themselves. This is going to be a high scoring. I think this is going to be the highest chippy. scoring. It's going to get chippy. Yes, the highest scoring series chippy. of the entire first round. But I'm going to take the Brooklyn Nets, and I think they win in six games. Yeah, yeah, I'm taking the Nets in six as well. Um, I think it's gonna be like I said. I think this is gonna be this is gonna be the series in the East that's chippy, dude. That's gonna be a lot of jaw jabbing, a lot of technicals. I think a lot of these guys, you know, there's there's some older guys. The Nets have the older crew, and the net the, the Celtics have a lot of the younger guys. Kimba's a little up there, obviously, with Kyrie, same around the same era. But Jason Tatum is a, is an absolute freak, an absolute superstar in my mind. I think he's a rising star. He's gonna be one of the guys that's gonna be the face of the league for a long time. Um, out there dropping 50 burgers whenever he needs to. And the kid's an absolute stud. And I don't think they have a true – I mean, KD might be able to handle him a little bit, but I don't think they have a true guy that can really stay with with him from toe to toe. So I love – I love Jason Tatum's game so much. I, I, I've even said before in previous episodes on the show that <clears throat> I think he has the opportunity to be the best player in this league at, at maybe a certain time. There might come that point. Um, so I like this Celtics team, it, it, but I mean, the blow in my mind from Jalen Brown being gone, being absent is huge defensively, especially, and him be, being the shooter that he is and having that, that three point weapon is, is a big blow to the Celtics roster. Um, yeah. Nets and six. Look, man, when I made, when we made our NBA predictions earlier this year, at the beginning of the season, I had the Brooklyn Nets winning at all. You oh know? yeah. I love so, the Nets, man. Yeah. In this playoff series, I'm, I'm going to stick to the Brooklyn Nets. I think they're the better team. Uh, they are a little bit older, uh, but I think uh, experience-wise and obviously if all, all 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 the players are healthy in the Nets with Kevin Durant, uh, Blake Griffin, uh, James Harden, yeah. and uh, Kyrie Irving, if yeah, they're all healthy, the there's, the they, there's, yeah, there's no way for the Boston Celtics to come in and just kind of dominate and take, take them this out of the This is where experience comes yes, in, man. Yeah. exactly. Even though so, Jason Tatum has quite a bit of experience for a, a young buck, he's been in yeah. the playoffs every year. I mean, yeah. he's, and he's faced LeBron. He's, he's had some exactly. yeah, yeah, but big games. I, I think I think better, ex, uh, more experience, more playoff experience are yeah. the Nets have in their hands. So I, I do think the Nets are going to win in six. For sure. And then we go to the Western Conference side of things where we have the one-seed Utah Jazz taking on the eight seed, which as we are currently recording the show, and you guys will, by the time this, you start listening to the show, you will know whether it's going to be the Warriors or the Memphis Grizzlies. I picked the Grizzlies in this game. Yep. Regardless, I don't think it's going to matter who wins this game between the Warriors and Grizzlies. I think the Utah Jazz, although I'm not a big believer in them being legitimate contenders because they don't have a singular superstar, and that has to that's kind of a requirement, especially on the Western Conference side of things, to be able to contend and get out of the West. At the same time, the Jazz are a real team. They're well-coached, oh. maybe the most well-coached team in the entire NBA. Yeah. Got to give them absolute credit for that. And they have two very good players, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert might be the best defensive well, player in the I league. I think their role players are what makes that team so great, Exactly. Too. And, the and, Joe Ingles and you know, all those players. And if you look at the Grizzlies, they don't have enough offense, although I think they have better overall offense than the Warriors just because they have more options to rely on. 
they, neither one of these teams would have enough offense to overcome the great defense of the Jazz. Yeah. So I'm going to say the Jazz are going to roll in this one. I think they're going to win this series in probably five games. So I'm going to say Jazz over whichever team in five games. Yeah, I, I'm calling a sweep. I don't care who which other team. I think the Jazz are that much better than if the Grizzlies. If it's Steph, though, he might get hot for one game. I don't for care. I don't care. I don't think Steph is going to be I can, see, I can see Steph going hot. Yeah. That's kind of like that Westbrook with the Washington. That, okay, but that's – if it's the Warriors, maybe they can squeak out one just off the, the absolute I'm not gonna arsenal. I'm going to say they're going to win, like, no, go no, to no. seven. No, yeah, no, no. but, I mean, if it's the Grizzlies, the inexperience of the Grizzlies, yeah. I think they're going to get smacked oh, yeah. in the mouth, dude. I just I, – I don't I don't like – I don't like the matchup. Honestly, I think the Jazz are a bad matchup for both those teams. I don't think it really matters. I, I'm actually I'm, – I'm pretty strong in my stance with the sweep. I think the Jazz are – I think the Jazz are really good, man, and I think their defense is really good. And Rudy Gobert is a problem for either one of these rosters. I think – I think – I think – um the the Grizzlies would actually be a better matchup because they have a true big, um, but the, I think the Warriors would just get destroyed by the Jazz because they have no size, and I think Rui Gobert would just be getting all the boards, all the blocks. They would have nobody to get points inside. And then not much to add to that. I'm just gonna go with Utah Jazz dominating uh, the one seed for a reason, man. And then we have the four seed Clippers hosting the five seed Dallas Mavericks. If anybody had paid attention to the bubble last year, we know that this was a grand matchup between these two teams last season. And if we know anything, Luka Doncic was by far the best player in this series, even though Kawhi snapped. He's Kawhi went man. off. That was such a fun Doncic series. Doncic was un- – he was just unbelievable. He was not human in that series. That game winner. That humongous – yeah, game winner. We watched winner. that live together. Remember that, that was great. Oh, now, man. I will say this, guys. I want to pick the, the Mavericks because they have a healthy Porzingis coming into this series – whereas Porzingis was not healthy going to that series and ended up getting hurt even more in the series and was gone, I think, by game two. I think the Mavericks would have won that series last year. The thing about it, though, for this time, man, is I think that the Doc Rivers effect is out of here now with the Clippers. I think that there's a little bit less of a stigma on this team, even though I do not believe in this team, the Clippers. I'm one of the few that doesn't believe they're a true contender because they, they their clutch is way off. They're the worst clutch team in the NBA. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George can't seem to get out of their own ways in big moments like this. Um, they, 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 they don't have a true image. I don't believe in their roster as a lot of people expect them. You know, all oh, these pencil men as a, as a Western neither one of them, Neither one of them are true alpha leaders. Kawhi or Paul George yeah. are not true alpha leaders. They're and, not. They and I, and only I believe, had success with other good like, – yeah, and, and Car- Carlisle has been the better head coach between him and Tyron Lue. There's no question about that. For me, though, I think it's I think it's going to be a matchup thing. I need Porzingis to prove to me that he can stay healthy in this series, and I need Luka Doncic to prove to me that he can keep his head in the game and not get so goddamn frustrated all the time. He's 21 years old, so I understand it. I am going to give a slight edge to the Clippers in this series. I think they're going to finish this series. They're going to get it done, but, man, it would not. this might be the biggest – toss-up series in this entire playoffs to this point. I'm going to say it goes the distance. I'm going to say it goes seven games. But with the experience and the veteran presence that the Clippers have, I'm going to give them the slight edge just because of, again, Porzingis, I can't trust his health yet. If he goes out there and plays his game, the Mavericks are going to win this series. I just need him to do it before I can just pencil him in. Yeah, they've been they've been monitoring his load. No, 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 no dirty talk going on here. Are you but sure? They've been monitoring Porzingis's load all season long, and they've been they've you been monitoring his game limits. load. I like I like I just like to throw a load out there. You know, I'm like getting so, a load off. If, I'm gonna say, it, man, if Porzingis is healthy this entire series, I'm picking the Mavericks in seven. I'm picking picking them in seven because I I I, I just I don't I think they're I think Luca is a bad matchup for this team, and he showed that last. He willed this team to two wins in that series to push it to six. Last season by himself, 
And Porzingis is a bad matchup for them because they don't have a true big, and he's not a, a, a naturally conventional big. He can shoot the three at a high level. He's actually a lot more uh, uh, mobile than people give him. He's, he's got some wiggle to him, and he's crafty. They don't have a guy that can defend that. Who, Zubach? No. They don't have, do they have Zubach? No, they still have Zubach. They, right? Yeah, they still have Zubach. But Zubach, in my mind, is a, is a traditional stiff type of big. He's not a guy that can go to defend the perimeter. Porzingis is what seven foot one and is out there, you know, can shoot threes with the best of them. The only so, question to that is how healthy is Porzingis going into this series? That's the main and reports that's, are that's the fine. main. That's the main question. They've they, been prepping for this moment. Yeah, I, I know they've been prepping, but like yeah. how, we know, he is uh, sadly he's starting to turn into that injury prone kind of player. Yeah. But so I want to say this he, too: they they have they're one of the best three point shooting teams in this league, which the Clippers struggle against. And they have Ron, they're they're putting old ass Rondo out there to defend the perimeter. Stop it! They have they have they have Seth Curry's one of the best three point shooters in this league, and JJ Redick along with Luca and Porzingis and Hardaway. Yeah. I'm telling you, dude, this look, I think this look, offense of the Mavericks is going to go out there and just light it up. And I have them winning in seven games. As much as I like the Clippers, and I, I last year I did pick them to win the championship, but obviously it didn't wah, happen. Wah. Yeah. Um, this year I I think they're going to fall short. Uh, I do think the Dallas has them figured out. I think Dallas. Going into this series, I think it's a bad. I think it's a bad matchup for the yeah. Clippers. Uh, I think it will go the distance. Uh, distance. I yeah. do. I do see seven games in this series, uh, but I. I think Luka Doncic is gonna, just going to go, go off. Let's and, go. And I can see the Mavericks winning this series. Hell yeah! There we go. And then we have the three seed Denver Nuggets hosting the six seed Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> I'm going to do it, man. Oh I'm, boy! I'm picking the Trailblazers in this series. <laughs> no, sir. And the reason why, guys, is because I, I, I look. I don't want to simplify this. Jokic is the better, the best overall player in this series. Who's gonna guard him? Damian Lillard in this series, guys. Like, you, you've him? seen, you've seen what he done. I don't know if you guys have paid attention this year against sure. the Nuggets. Yeah, he's averaged over thirty-five points a game. You've seen the MVP. In the I get Jokic? it. Yeah. CJ McCollum's gonna be there. I know that the that Nurkic, you can't trust him. I understand that. I'm, I'm picking. There's got to be an upset in this series or in this in this first round. I'm going with the Nuggets because I think the Jamal Murray effect in the absence is going to play a factor in this. I trust the Portland Trailblazers' star power more so in this series. It's going to go six games. I'm picking the Portland Trailblazers to win this series in six games. I, I, I okay, that's your upset. I picked the Mavericks were my upset because I feel like that one's more uh, rational in my mind. I think that's more of a, a, a possible outcome. I just don't think the Blazers are deep enough. I don't. I think the Nuggets, even without Jamal Murray, they're still one of the deepest rosters in this in this league with the Aaron Gordon signing. I think they have not just size. They have very athletic size. Aaron Gordon's a, a very athletic big who can slash to the rim. The Blazers are one of the worst teams at stopping slashers in the backdoor bucket. They're terrible at it because they don't have size. They don't have good versatile size. And like you said, Nurkic, is never reliable, and he's not a versatile big. He's slow. He's a big Frankenstein out there. He's talented, but he's a big Frankenstein. And Jokic is going to just run circles around him, man. I just don't. They have all the young guys in this Nuggets team are peaking right now at the right time. I just don't. I McCollum has been so so this this year. He's been he's had he's had little hot streaks, but I don't even think he's been better than the two and three option of the Nuggets so far this year. The Nuggets have been fine. The, the, Jokic is the MVP in my mind, and it's for a good reason. And I just. Do not think they have an answer for him. I just truly don't. I think that's gonna be the deciding factor. And it's I'm not overthinking this one. I think it's the Nuggets. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the Blazers some credit. I'm gonna say it goes five, mm. but I got the Nuggets in five. Yep. Mm, interesting. Well, you, not, not much to add to you, Trev. Uh I, I do think the Denver Nuggets are just a better team. I, I think they're just going in uh more focused in the Portland Trail Blazers. I I think 
the Portland Trail Blazers rely way too much on Damian Lillard. He yeah. cooks, he goes off, but just to rely on just one single player in the playoffs, I, I don't think can can get you that that far. I mean, you can go back to coaching too, man. The yeah. Nuggets is such a well coached team. Well, Terry Stotts ain't chopped liver. No, here. no, no. But I mean, yeah, so Malone I, is. I'm, yeah. I'm going to give Damian Lillard and the Trail Blazers uh, two games, but uh, other than that, the Nuggets are going to take this series. Yeah. And then we have our final series of the first round, the one that I think all of us have been anticipating the most. And I think, quite frankly, everyone has. Yeah, this is, is the number two Phoenix Suns hosting series. the number seven Los Angeles Lakers. I'm going to keep this one real short. <laughs> yeah, the Lakers are going to win the championship this year. Um, and I'm sticking by that. I've been telling you guys this all season. I was never shocked or sh- sh- shaken by LeBron James and Anthony Davis being injured. They were injured, but I also think there was a little possum play with all this. You saw what happened at the end of that game against the Warriors. LeBron James, at the end of the day, sealed the victory. That's going to continue in these playoffs. Alex Crusoe is playing incredible perimeter defense. KCP, Kuzma, all those guys are going to play their roles at the right time. Andre Drummond is going to be an, a key contributor in the, in the second chance points type of thing with him being so great in, at the offensive uh, offensive rebounding side of things. Anthony Davis is finally going to start playing basketball like we know him too. I believe in him. I believe in his talent. He's one of the best players in the world, and LeBron James is the greatest player to ever play this game. They're going to – no offense to the Suns. They're a really good team. They've proven themselves. Monty Williams is the head coach of the year. Uh, Chris Paul is one of the best, if not the greatest, point guard we've seen in modern history. Devin Booker is an incredible knockdown shooter. They have zero playoff experience outside of Chris Paul, and Chris Paul doesn't exactly have the greatest amount of playoff experience when it comes to succeeding. Uh, they're running into a juggernaut in the first round. Ignore the seeds in this one. The Lakers are the favorite in this series, and it's not even close. Yeah. The Lakers are going to win the series in five games. Yeah, I patched LeBron out there hitting game winners from 40 feet. I mean, that's that was impressive. But um, I like this series. I think this, this series actually does go seven games. I'm giving respect to the to the Suns. I think they've been a great team all year long, and they have. And they're also a well-coached team too, man. I mean, the, the coach of the year, you know. So I think Monty Williams is, is out there doing his thing. Um, I just think the X-Factor matchup here is AD against DeAndre Ayton. I think DeAndre Ayton's is going to get abused. I like DeAndre Ayton, but he, his footwork is just not there with AD. AD, I truly, I, I want to see AD in the paint more. They haven't like this, 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 this past few games. I've had him on the perimeter way too much, which could work against the Suns because it could pull DeAndre Ayton out of there. And DeAndre Ayton on the perimeter is just a, a liability. So I, I, I think this matchup is going to be a very hard fought matchup, first round matchup for the Lakers. Uh, I think they're going to have to put a lot of energy into, into getting this. This is not going to be a pushover series. I think this is going to take everything they have. And I do think the Lakers obviously pull it out, them being my championship favorites as well. Um, but, yeah, man, I think this is going to be a tough series. And they absolutely have no – I mean, do I even need to mention this? They have absolutely no answer for LeBron James. They have nobody at, at that position that can hold him, uh, that can stop his vision his, and his ability to facilitate and, and, and drive to the bucket. There's no one that's going to stay in front of him. Um, they just don't have that guy. They're really good at the point guard, and they're really good at the two guard, and that's it. And they're they're going against the best defense in the NBA with the two best players, two of the top five best players in the NBA on the same team. So I just I love the Suns. They were fun this year, but this 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 is where it ends. All right, um, you know my my hate for LeBron continues, and it <laughs> continues into this series. Hmm. I do I do see the I do see this series going seven games as well. Uh, but I do have the Phoenix Suns <laughs> being right. at the Lakers. Yeah, good stuff. That's a great. Remember that time when LeBron was taking out in the first round <laughs> in his career? That hey, time? yeah, I like it, Eddie. You're gonna good. remember we got it receipts. Next year. We got okay. receipts, baby. Right. We're gonna take a quick break because we got to get to you guys in the Monday mailbag. It's gonna be a blast. I heard there's some good questions in it. We'll get back to that after this.
time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. It is time for the Monday Mailbag, what we do each and every week is we give you guys the opportunity to take over an entire segment, whatever it is in the world of sports you're wanting to talk about. We allow you to put that in place, and then we talk about it and give you our honest reactions. Eddie, what is in the Monday Mailbag this week, my man? All right, man. Uh, we're going to start off with Donnie Couch. Uh, he says, hey, Trevor Lance and some dude. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> How was your week? Better than Eddie's, apparently, because he keeps getting disrespected every time in the mailbag. Yeah, exactly. So. I'm going to stop reading this bitches. <laughs> See who reach out shit. <laughs> Uh, Swerved. All right, first question. Uh, do you think the Chiefs had the deepest O-line in the NFL? You know what? I, 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 w- I would say the deepest. I would say yes. I would say deepest in the NFL, yes. Do I do I think they have the best? That's up for debate. Um, there are some offensive lines out there that really do hang tough with the Chiefs. I would say the Browns, the Colts. Those are two teams the that Niners, I would say the Niners, have a, good the Niners have a great offensive line. There's there's some teams out there that the Saints even still have a very good offensive line. Mm-hmm. But as far as depth, yeah, I would say because you're talking about they go two or three deep at guard, they go two or three deep at tackle, yeah, and they go two deep for sure at center. Not every team has that. So two, I, I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna say yeah, I'm gonna say they have the deepest offensive line right now in the NFL. Uh, I don't honestly, I, I can't say I don't I don't I don't know the the the, the rosters around the league as well as far as O-lines. I I, I kind of have to see it first because I don't know the talent. That's based on talent, right? Depth. We have names right now. There's a lot of unproven guys. There's a guy coming out of retirement. We don't know the talent that is being put in place yet. As the season goes on, we could we could possibly see the rotation being that great and that deep. Right now, it's hard, man. There's there's some there's some good O-lines out there. I still think the Raiders have a good O-line too. I mean, I know that guys are made of some pieces, but they drafted some pieces they still – have protected their quarterback well. Derek Carr's last couple of seasons has been one of the fewest sacks quarterback in the league. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think we're up there as far as names goes and having the the, the, the guys on the roster, the depth there physically. But I got to see it come as a you know a coagulated group first to kind of call that shot. But I definitely think I think we're we're, we're probably in the top five six rosters as far as O line goes for sure. All right. Next question, uh, Donnie Couch. What's your favorite game day food for the NFL? Ooh. That one's easy for me. It's wings, pizza. <laughs> I mean, well, you, I feel like that's a combo. Pizza, like, you, yeah, you automatically associate Penis. both together. Wing, well, we're not. Yeah, okay, that might be Trevor's. Uh, Trevor on my, on my, for there sure. ain't nothing better, man. When we come, when we come, nope. when we come up here in the living room, man, and we're, we're we got wings waiting for us, Eddie. How many times we crushed those during the season last year? Uh, for me, for my fat ass, it's definitely going to be wings, beer. Um, yeah, that's let's just go whiskey. ahead and go with that. Yeah, whiskey. I mean, yeah, pizza, yeah. pizza and wings, man. Pizza, pizza wings and ladies. That's a total, total Trevor answer, by the way. Yes, it's it's factual. All right, stinky uh, meat over here. Next question. Next question. Donny Couch. Should Angel should Angel Hernandez be fired? And if so, is it time for Robo Umps? Uh, on the latter end of that, no, uh, because you have to have some aspect of the human element still at play. Uh, you have to have that. Uh, robot umps is just going to take away so much of the of the formality of so much baseball of the errors. itself. Yeah, yeah so many perfect. of the errors were gone. No, yeah, see, it'll... that's why you have reviews that you still can, you have to implement reviews. But what they got to do on the review side of things is they got to quit having this sorority mentality where they just protect these umps at all. Costs. I just want to see two robot you umps see... fight each other. Uh, I <laughs> got you, bitch. Up, fuck you, asshole. Right. I'm gonna <laughs> fuck you up. Uh, it, uh, uh, you know, no, no, no. They, 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 Dude, they, I, I, I'm still of the belief that umpires need to be human. 
happen. They need to have they need to have a pulse. But what needs to happen is they need to have more accountability for those umps. Um, and Angel Hernandez is the ultimate example of no accountability. That's the only reason he's still got a job. I knew I used to work with a uh, former Major League Baseball umpire, and he said this very thing to me because I asked him about Angel Hernandez. He said the reason why he's got this job is because, believe it or not, he is one of the best in the game. That's how bad it is. They don't train these guys enough. They don't earn their stripes enough in the minors to get themselves adequated with the game. It's 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 this is a problem. We talked about baseball earlier. You got me triggered, Eddie. That is the same thing. It's it's a follow through. They don't have accountability and they don't train these guys well enough, man. That is the problem. So yes, Angel Hernandez needs to go. The game would only get better. But according to people I know in the game, he is one of the best that represents the game today. I want robot umps. That's what I want. Fuck you, Trevor. <laughs> You're out. Get yeah. out of here. <laughs> I don't. I don't think they should fire him. But I think they should do what kind of like a lot of soccer leagues around the world do, uh, and that's kind of like shoot him into space. <laughs> yeah, no, that's <laughs> uh, kind of like freeze the refs uh, the week after they have a really bad game. Like, a, uh, let's say they have a really bad decision in a game that cost the game something, or let's just say they just had a pretty bad overall game. He's had a bad twelve years. No, but I'm saying okay. they, they, the following week they don't ref at all. They sit at home. They, they they don't schedule them at all for any match. It's kind of like a punishment for them having a bad game. Oh, gotcha. You know what I mean? So and a lot of leagues around the world do that to where they're like, okay, you're not gonna you're not gonna ref this weekend because of what you did last weekend. So we're gonna put you in the cooler, freeze for a week or two, and then you you're back in. And obviously, a lot of refs get a lot of a lot better. Well, Angel Hernandez needs to be freezer burnt. <laughs> so I think I think uh, that would be something that. MLB could possibly do with these umps, you know, kind of like if they had like a bad series or something, kind of yeah. like, all right, you're 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 out for like a week or two, mm-hmm. and then you'll you'll come back in or something. All right, uh, next question comes from Shaggy Shane, friend of the show. He's back. All yeah. right, hell yeah. It only took us telling them what two weeks in a row. <laughs> like, I even sent a text to him this week. I'm like, bro, you gotta get back, man. We miss you. <laughs> nah, it's like, uh, it looks like a two two questions. Uh, who is currently the uh, number two wide receiver on the Chiefs rosters in your eyes? Hardman, Pringle, or Robinson? God, I hate the fact that we have to choose between those three names. Um, if we're going off of talent, then I think it's McColl. Uh, if we're going off of knowing the game and probably being the best well-rounded wide receiver as far as route running and just overall reliability, I, it, I'm about to puke and throw up my oh, own mouth. It's it. going to be D-Rob. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the worst part about it is they announced his extension that or they they were bringing him back on my fucking birthday. See, I think he's more talented than McColl. You're absolutely tripping. No, McColl's more athletic. I think he's more – I think he's not He's not as talented as a receiver as D-Rob is. I think D-Rob's a better route runner, and he's shown that. McColl has not been a good route runner since he, since day one. He's very athletic, very you fast. You can teach route running. Yeah, you can't he's not teach that yet. That's what I'm saying. He's not that yet. He could. He could learn that. But he's been a slow learner so far, and it's shown, man. He's he's, he's ran a lot of the wrong routes and been off cue with Pat. And, and he tramming me after saying yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. That's why we need to go get Julio Jones in this <laughs> conversation and go fuck himself. Yeah. yeah. All right, and uh, he says, and when you look at those three gentlemen above, does it make you think that Julio Jones is a realistic option next month? I started the show off with this, man. I, I Look, I understand that people want to sit here and try to find reasons as to why that doesn't make sense for the Chiefs. For me, it is simple. Does a 2022 first, third, second and third and sixth round pick help the Chiefs in 2021 more than a Julio Jones would? No. It's that simple, man. He's $27 million in guaranteed money. You have other guys to pay. 
$177 last offseason, you pay $650 million out. And then you go and make Joe Tooney the highest paid guard in NFL history this offseason with very little money, 29th overall in the NFL in cap space. Cap space is funny money. The Chiefs, if they want Julio Jones, they'll put together a trade package and make it happen. Because after Orlando Brown Jr. ended up in Kansas City, there is no trade that the Chiefs can't pull off in my eyes. So, yes, I do think it's a realistic possibility. I do think there, there are teams out there where they will outbid the Chiefs out yeah. of desperation for Julio Jones. Yeah, I think it's going to be the Titans. But there was I mean, there was a report earlier today about all the teams that were interested, which was it listed off the Ravens, Titans, and uh, I can't remember the other two. There was like a, two other teams. Um, but, yeah, they didn't mention the Chiefs, which I think the Chiefs do a lot of low-key stuff and they work behind the scenes. Veach is very discreet. Um, so I don't think I, – I think if we were interested, I think Veach would probably not want our name mentioned in that report possibly. But I don't know. Uh, that's speculation, but I definitely think there's a chance. Veach is he's grimy, man. He's out there, he's 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 wheeling and dealing. That's what he does. And I would not be surprised if we figured it out. But I do think the the league around wouldn't allow it. I don't I think teams would like it, like you said, like I said earlier, uh teams were outbid, they would sell the house to not allow Julio Jones to land on this roster because it would just be a nail, like I said, a nail in the coffin for the rest of the league if Julio was in this offense. Interesting. All right. Um Two more questions. Uh, this one comes from Tommy Carpenter. How do you think Darwin Thompson does this year? Will he even make the team with McKinnon there now? I, I, I don't think Darwin's going to make the team this year. Uh, not because he has a lack of talent or a lack of hustle or anything like that. It's just every single year you see these guys on every NFL roster that just they, they almost outweigh – or um, how would you say it? They wear out their welcome, not in a negative sense, but they just ultimately don't fit the team anymore. And with Clyde Edwards-Solaire being a first-round pick, with Daryl Williams being brought back intentionally to be the 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 the, the duo with Clyde, at, after that, if you have a guy like McKinnon who is more talented than Darwin, has more you know skin in the game than Darwin, at this point, unless they make sense of him being a special teams player solely, which he's not even that good on special teams – it doesn't really make sense to keep him on the roster and have four running backs on your roster. For me, at best, the Chiefs keep him on the practice squad if no one wants to pick him up on waivers. Outside of that, I don't anticipate he's going to make the 53. Yeah, I think Jared McKinnon was brought in for just that. I think he was brought in to be uh, a direct competition with Darwin. Um, I don't think there's any other reason why we would have signed him. I do like Jared McKinnon. I've stated that as soon as I got that news. I liked him. He's been injury-prone most of his career. I will say that, but the guy is an athletic freak. Uh, similar body type. Smaller, bulky dude, um, but he's very athletic. He's a freak athlete and he's very good at catching the ball out of the backfield. He's coming out of the Shanahan offense. Uh, he knows how to play that West Coast, that flashy West Coast offense um, and catching balls out of the backfield. Um, even That's if he gets any kind of field time as a running back or a, a football player, period, outside of special teams. Um, but I think this is a fight for just a, a strictly a depth position and a special teamer. Um, but I do think Jared McKinnon, barring health, will beat out Darwin Thompson in the roster spot. Uh, last question comes from Billy Hodge. Um, are you guys getting frustrated that the landlord ha- hasn't gotten a contract extension? No, I'm not frustrated yet. Uh, would I have liked to see it happen already? Yeah. I mean, in an ideal world, you want to see those things happen as soon as possible. But I understand why negotiations are what they are. Uh, the Chiefs know that they have a number. Tyron Matthew knows he has a number. And they're going to find somewhere in between. I think that they're, I think it's going to be a very <laughs> – let, let me put let me put this as mildly as I can because I talked to somebody today about this whole situation. They said that it's going to be Tyron Matthews is, is expecting to get paid 
as a top safety in this league. As and he former, should. Yeah, and, and, and let's be honest, guys. He, he's he been graded as a slot corner as well. So his value is immense, uh, not just for the Chiefs, but league-wide. Not to even, We're not even talking about the fact that he brought in a completely different culture to Kansas City that I think is so – uh, contagious and so valuable that I don't think the Chiefs win the Super Bowl in 2019 without Tyron. I don't think they get back to the Super Bowl in 2020, 2020 without Tyron. And I don't think the Chiefs will get back to the Super Bowl in 2021 or 2022 without Tyron. That's best, how valuable he's the best he is. Our defense is. Yes, he is, he is at the peak of his powers. He has, like I said, he has brought a culture to this team that we've never had, or we at least haven't had since the 90s. And it's working. It's absolutely working as a coach on the field with all pro talent. You can't find those guys just sitting around the league. The reason why is because they're making big money somewhere. He's going to make big money. It's going to happen. It's going to happen before the the training camp is even probably kicked off. And if it isn't, in, it isn't before training camp. It's going to be long before week one. The Chiefs don't want to have this looming over their heads in week one. The, the Chiefs are one of the franchises, one of the few franchises in the league that actually don't like drama. Believe it or not, a lot of other teams capitalize on it because of the market they're in, like Dallas and New York. Kansas City is Kansas City. Teams like us and Green Bay and teams like that, we don't like drama. That's why Green Bay is killing themselves right now with the whole Aaron Rodgers situation. Another topic for another time. The Chiefs know that they need to take care of their of their guy, the landlord, because rent is due. And the rent this time is paying the actual landlord in a, in a literal monetary way. It's going to happen. Yeah, we got to get the Julio Jones deal done first. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I think both parties understand that it's best that he's here. It's He's a key cog to this defense. Um, but yeah, I think, I think he's going to get his money. I think he's going to get his due. Uh, I think Brad Beach and him both know, uh, that he, he, and I think Tyrone more than anything knows that he, this, he's in the best spot possible for him. And at, at this point of his career to find success, I think he's, I think this is the, not only as him as an individual, but him as an, as a mentor to these other guys that are below him. I think he likes where he's at. He's d- done nothing but flourish since he's been here. He's, he went and got himself a ring. I mean, that's not that's not something you just you you get you accomplish and you leave. I think the morale in this locker room, the morale in this roster, is ideal for him because he's one of the veterans in this team now. He's one of those guys that is going to go out there and be that captain. Um, and I think he likes having that leadership. Um, for him to go find new a new landscape and not come back here after this season or whatever, I just think it's a bad idea for him to be moving around and become a nomad in this league. I don't think that's what he wants, and I know that's not what the Chiefs want. We're going to keep him here. We're going to get him paid. He's a key factor, key player to this championship run for a third straight opportunity. Um, and I don't see any other scenario where he's not on the Chiefs roster. Great Monday mailbag, guys. We tell you each and every week to participate in this. I know we have our regulars. We like getting new people in there every once in a while, man. We really do appreciate it. We also uh, allow voice messages. If you guys want to hit us up on our Anchor app as well, hit us up on there, man, and just let us know what you guys are thinking about the show or when I talk about sports, man. That's what we're here to do. So thank you so much for everyone who participated. It's good to have Shaggy back on the on the Monday Mailbag. We have one more order of business. Guys, what is it called? Hold this L. I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> the who, the her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man! Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, oh my. pulsating L.
<laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. You ignorant bat. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this hell. It is time to hold this L. What we do each and every week is we like to wrap up our show each and every episode with some L's in the world of sports, whether they're friendly or not friendly. I promise you guys, whoever is holding the L this week is absolutely deserving of it. Mr. Yo, 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 Eddie Ortiz, who is holding the L for you this week, my man. Ah, man. Oh, it's not Formula One, by the way. You know, I stopped asking that because I was like, you know, maybe if I don't, because he'll it's say, never hey, Formula guess what, one anymore. motherfucker, it's F1. Yes, uh, what, 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 what is it? Reverse psychology, whatever. Yeah, that's what I'm uh, saying. Whatever Trev, that's uh, next Trev, level shit, though. Yeah, yeah, whatever Trev did with Aaron Rodgers last season. Yeah. remember that? Yeah. Oh yeah, he claimed that. I'm proud yeah. of you. I'm yeah, proud of you. Remember that? I'm that. proud of you. Wait, he didn't have him in the play. No. <laughs> it worked, bitch. <laughs> that was the singular reason why they <laughs> got to the NFC Championship. Absolutely. Because of Trevor, he's like, you know, I saw that motherfucker on Guys, my podcast. Let me prove this bitch ass wrong. Fuck Jordan Love. I got this. <laughs> All right, let's do this. All right, man. Uh, I'm going to give it to FC Barcelona. Uh, last week, they lost to a team they had no business losing to uh, if they wanted to keep their title hopes alive. Uh, now they're officially out of the race with one game remaining tomorrow. They'll play at 11 a.m., uh, same as Real Madrid and same as Atletico Madrid. They are officially out of the race. Uh, Messi is not, uh, is not uh, reporting for that game. He has officially left the team for vacation before Copa America starts in the summer. So he's he he took a week early of vacation. That, to me, that's an early sign that Messi's possibly could potentially not be returning next year. Mm-hmm. He is a free agent. He is a free free man. He is a free man. He is uh, able to sign with whoever he pleases he's single. for free. Barcelona just got a, a, a $100 million uh, euro loan from a, an American bank. Uh, they are struggling to pay players. They haven't played played. They, they, they're falling behind on payments. Mm. And obviously, they got to get Messi that money. And if Messi's going to stay, they got to find ways to, to make money. And they're not going to have Things it. Things could get messy. Exactly. So, Barcelona losing last week, getting out of the title race, uh, potentially losing Messi, potentially this franchise no longer existing in the near future if this uh, – whole money thing keeps on declining fc barcelona you're gonna have to do me a favor and hold this l, l. trevor twitter who's holding it for you this week right. man. mine's gonna go to stephen a smith um just for the reason that oh no you didn't stephen, oh no you didn't stephen a smith has been what he's he's the goat at what he does he's been he's he's seen endless and unlimited amounts of basketball mm-hmm. sports in general preferably a whole lot, if not all, of LeBron James basketball. He's watched it from the beginning. Game winner after game winner, clutch after the clutch shot, tough shot after tough shot. And when LeBron hit that game winner against the, the Warriors the other night, granted, I will grant it, it was an ugly triple-double. 22-10-11 is what it is. He rolled out, of, rolled out of bed and had a terrible game and still ended up with a triple-double. Triple that's good shit. Anyways... It wasn't a pretty game overall for the Lakers as a whole. AD was terrible in the first half. LeBron was terrible in the first half. Most of the game wasn't very good. Um, they should have destroyed the Warriors, hands down. Everyone knows that. They underperformed. But the game-winning shot that put the game away was LeBron James with an epic, like I call him, eye patch LeBron. He had the one eye 
the Forrest Whitaker going on. He got poked. His eye was red. His eye was swollen. He catches the ball. And I, and I get it. Everyone who plays, ever played basketball in a gym, always there's always that lucky shot. When you're not, you're not even, it's like one of those days you're not hot, but you end up hitting a game winner in a, in a pickup game because it goes off the glass and you didn't call and everyone's pissed off at you, but the game's over because you, either way, everyone has those lucky shots where you throw it up or someone you know that sucks and never shoots, and never is a good shooter, but they'll throw it up. Yeah, Evan over here raising his hand. We play many <laughs> games together. There's a, there's those there's those there's that guy that will throw it up and it'll bank off the off the backboard and it'll, it'll go in because no one's guarding because no one think everyone's letting him shoot but he ends up, ends up hitting the game winner because it's off the rim and he didn't call it, or off the backboard he didn't call it, whatever that is not what took place that night LeBron was calling for the ball the ball gets to him he sees Steph Curry in his face obviously he's he's gonna be an, he's gonna take the, the opportunity to do his best to make that shot he squares his shoulders catches the ball turns squares his shoulders fades away. And hits it damn near nothing but net. That's not luck, guys. Anybody who plays basketball, no matter the distance, if you're feeling it, you got that rhythm, which he shot that ball in rhythm, flick of the wrist, everything. It wasn't like he just chucked it up and just got rid of it quick. He caught it, squared his shoulders, turned to the basket, one eye and all, sunk it damn near nothing but net. That's not luck. Talk about that's, eye that's for not, eye. That's not how basketball works. You don't sink a shot damn near nothing but net by luck. And, and like I said, he was a, it was a true squared up shot. That's what it was. Stephen A. Smith, that's an irresponsible take. Like I said, you've watched, you've consumed so much sports and basketball and all of LeBron James' career, all these shots that he's hit, these ridiculous shots. Remember that one? He, I remember that one against the Wizards when he was with the Cavs, when he caught it right by the inbound line without Kevin Hart. No, Kevin Hart. Yeah, Kevin Hart was out there. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Hart. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah, it was. No, he Kevin at his navel. Kevin Love heaved it down the court, full court pass. LeBron catches it, one dribble turn. Fade away out of bounds, nails that game winner. That one did go off the glass, but he squared up on that one. That one should have been more luck than that because it was a glass shot. So for me, man, it's, I feel like that's just an irresponsible take. It was just, uh, and everyone's honestly, mostly everybody's been disagreeing with him around the the, uh, the the entire sphere. So that's hard to imagine. Yeah, which is strange, right? Yeah. So um, Stephen A, sure. I just feel like that's irresponsible take with the with the clout that you have and the stage you have, and that's just disrespectful in my mind to LeBron James. And I just don't know why these things keep getting doubted at this point of his career. It's really, it's it's skull numbing to me. But for that, Steve A. Smith's going to have to do me a big favor and hold, hold this L. L. So this is a rare week for me. I actually have a, both a W and an L that I want to give right, out. And both both are in the world of the NBA. Um, I guess the stars align. So so the the, the W I want to give is um, actually something that I, I found to be very powerful. Um, talked to Darren Smith on his show on Sunday on eight ten the ship. Uh, and and I don't know if we can really, um, emphasize on it enough, just how, how amazing and how moving the hall of fame was this year, Mm. uh, for, for so many reasons. Uh, the, one of the, one of the few, like one of the biggest moments was when I saw Timmy D Tim Duncan, uh, talking about Popovich and what he meant to him and all the stories and things of that nature. And just, you know, seeing these things, uh, Rudy Tomjanovich, talking about Robert Ori and giving him some credit, even though I don't agree with what he was saying, it was really cool to see Big Shot Bob get some credit on a Hall of Fame platform. But the biggest one by far, um, it, it was it was very sobering and somber, but the beauty of what Kobe Bryant's legacy was, uh, Vanessa and Michael, Vanessa, his wife, and, and Michael Jordan uh, going up there and accepting this and, and how powerful that all is, putting the, the, the coat on his daughter, uh, which got me big time. I was very emotional watching that. But as I said on Darren's show that I loved about it was the fact that 
Kobe didn't even have to be there, and yet he was the most polarizing part of all of it. He right. absorbed the room. He took up the entire atmosphere. And it wouldn't have mattered if whether Kobe would have been there in person or the unfortunate tragic events took place and we ended up getting what we got of it. He is that polarizing. You have Tim Duncan and all these other superstar legacy monsters and Kobe took up the room. He filled the room with just him. And that was just, it was very telling about how much people loved him and admired him from afar and up close. And I feel, I feel that that put a really good um, uh, look and optics from the optics point of view on the NBA, because whether you agree with it or not, when it came to the whole kneeling thing and, and black lives matter and them spe- speaking up and being vocal as athletes and as humans, that a lot of people fought that but with this, it's a universal thing. It's a consensus, and I feel like it's really unified a lot of people, and it was beautiful. And I really, really love. I really loved what I saw from that. And also, we saw a Chris Webber and Jalen Rose reunion yeah. of sorts. I mean, they still got a long way to go, but to see them talk and Jalen Rose like congratulate Chris Webber, that was crazy. How so, about Tim Duncan with his dress looking like he sells pottery on the, on the street corner? He looks like he's looking like he's from the Virgin Islands, yeah. which he is. Man, that's yeah. incredible to see him like really just he's let himself whipping go, him, whipping him around. <laughs> yeah, but the but the L. <laughs> Is also in the in the NBA side of things. You ever you ever look at something that you know is about to happen, and, and it's because of someone's stupid actions or stupid decision? You go, yeah, they just fucked up. Yeah, that's what the Clippers just did. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. The Clippers intentionally tanked their last two games against the two worst teams in the West, to the Rockets and to the Thunder. They intentionally lost those games to avoid the Lakers early in the playoffs. Let me tell you why that's stupid. It's just like last year in the bubble when the Lakers came into those eight games looking like absolute dog shit. They looked like the worst team in the bubble. They looked horrific. They had no juice. They had no legs. They couldn't shoot. They couldn't defend. They looked like they were going to get bounced early. And then what happened? The Lakers got their juice. They got their legs and they could start shooting again. And they won the damn title. The Clippers thought it would be smart to delay the inevitable, which is potentially facing the Lakers only a round or two later. When the Lakers will get their confidence back, their legs are shooting and their defense back with LeBron and AD getting reps. You fucked up because when you face the Lakers, you're getting your ass beat. So do me a solid Clippers in the prophetic version of my uh, rant here and uh, hold, hold this L. Thank you so much. Mavericks, really Mavericks appreciate- are going to beat him, though. Don't matter. Hey, that's cool with me, too. I'd like to see a Doncic-LeBron series. That'd be great. Yep. So, man, Linda Dorsey, Tanisha Mahone's got to hang out with us. Man, that was so much cool. Was- and Eddie, you are paying for the barbecue, by the way, when they come to Kansas City. <laughs> that is 100% happening. That was good to get some femininity um, in here. It was great, man. They just, yeah, just to hear just to hear their their, their side of things. and. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just I just love listening to those ladies tell us, you know, what their viewpoint on things in the Kansas City and the Chiefs. And you know, Tanisha, man, it's it's she tells me all the time it's difficult for her to watch Patrick during games because she just gets so nervous. Dude, I can understand. I mean, that's her, that's her nephew, man. I can totally totally sympathize sympathize to the situation. But nevertheless, I thank those ladies so much for being here with us. Uh, they will be back soon, guys. I promise you that. But for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, for Clay Windler. For Linda Dorsey, Tanisha Mahomes, for the KCP and family as a whole, if you ain't following us by now, man, you guys are absolutely losing it, man. We have our guy Rob Davis in town with us who uh, runs Gutter Sluts. Great podcast to listen to as well. Uh, we got a lot of talent, man, on the on the, on the platform and the network, man. You guys need to get on it for sure, man. For And you guys come, come hang out with us. You're in Kansas City. Come to Taps on Main and hang out with us one of these weekends, man, for sure. But that, I'm Lance Twidwell. Episode 117 of the Spoken Podcast is done. It's finished. It's gone forever. Well, you can actually listen to it whenever you want to. But in the meantime, until 118 comes about next week, 
we out of this bitch. See you. Bye. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned into the spoken. I might actually stick I might actually stick around for a little bit.